0: This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet A toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can talk about anything. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you will find are completely free. Now, we are still, apparently Torgo's been having some internet issues recently, and uh, we're still waiting to get all of 100% 100% of the site back online. There's some key issues with the uh, with the site, so do bear with us. If you find a bug, if you email it to Torgo, he's probably already heard about the bug, but you never know. So you might want to do that. Torgo at freetalklive.com. You find a bug. All right, so freetalklive.com. Everything there is free. We're going to start out by going to the phones, to the fun. It's Cato in Tennessee. You're on free Talk Live with Ian and Mark on the Amplifier line. Hello, Cato.
1: What's up, guys? Hey, hey, man.
0: What's on your mind?
1: Hey, I just joined the. Uh f s p and also the first one thousand Wow so, uh, congratulations
0: yeah. that's yeah, great so
1: getting ready getting ready to go um I was just uh, actually got a, a comment and a couple questions if I could please sure I was just over in I was just over in britain uh flying back through the Manchester airport
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was uh if you want look at our future, you know it's possible things that are going on in the states they had a one thing I noticed they had a poster which was said that the police don't put up with hate speech, and neither should you. And Mm -hmm. hate speech was, I can't remember what it all was, but, you know, it was intimidation, bullying, anything like that. You know, so encouraging people to report that. They also had, like, kiosks, which were advertising credit cards, which, of course, had embedded RFIDs, and then they also had an office where you could get your IR scanned So or your, you know, do the, the retinal scan. You,
0: you so, could. You don't have to go and get your retinal scan. Why would Why would you want to opt to go get your retina scanned? I guess
1: for like a preferred traveler deal.
0: I yeah. see. Yeah. Huh. Get you through yeah, the line we faster. That, that yeah, well, up. they have. They've yeah. got the, the hate law thing is kind of old news for Europe, at least. There's uh, There's laws like that all over Europe. France has them, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure about Germany, but it's that's kind of old news. But the other stuff is uh, a little fresher. Sure.
1: Yeah, but it was just, it was just interesting to see it sort of all there you know, right in front of me, you know.
0: Yeah, and everybody just shrugging it off and going about their business as though nothing's nothing's changed, nothing's wrong. Even
1: the Americans going through just going, hey, that's sort of neat, you (sighs) know. Gosh. Um but my my two questions one is there any uh new news on the uh, real ID in New Hampshire is there any do you guys have any updates on that
0: Well I've, there's nothing new specifically I think they're probably going to wait until the 2007 uh, I guess the legislative, legislative session, session. session in 2007 uh, the the activists around here are expecting good things last year it was sort of like we kind of held it back a little bit they put it into this study committee and then they just sort of uh, took it right out of the study committee and went ahead and approved the funds. But I don't think that the funds have been have been approved yet at the upper level. See, the way things work in New Hampshire, and this is kind of a cool feature about the uh, about the the way the government's set up here compared to other ones, is that when whenever any sort of funding approval goes through the House and the Senate, it then goes up to what they call the Executive Council. So even if the House and the Senate say, yeah, let's spend $5 million on real ID – well, then it goes to the, the executive council, which are five members uh, that are elected according to different areas of the state. And those five people then say, hmm, no, we're not going to spend this money next. Or they say, yeah, all right, we're going to spend this. So even though the House and the Senate have said yes to spending the real ID
3: money, it, it has not yet cleared the executive council. Well, and how, so it could be stopped. How do they, I mean, uh, How do they fit into the legislative executive paradigm? they 're part of the executive paradigm in that they 're the executive council I see so they huh. they approve
0: all all spending they 're the final stamp of approval or, or disapproval on all spending, and of course, the activists up here are expecting two thousand and seven to be a good year as far as get ridding, uh, getting rid of real idea we 're going to have our own challenges with the Democrat Congress up here or the Democrat House, considering you know they 're going to want to pass an income tax or whatever it is they 're going to try and do, but they are also more friendly than the Republicans were towards getting rid of real id so we may actually have some progress on that coming up in 2007
1: cool and my other question and i don't know if you guys know anything about this and uh any other callers that might and you know could uh could help would be great um i went to a a website and of course it was a anti-libertarian website which means it's a socialist website Mm -hmm. but it was arguing against free markets and the example that it gave was uh Chile in the 1970s. Um, I guess uh, some guys that were proteges of Milton Friedman, called the Chicago Boys, uh, went to Chile and advised the government on opening up their markets. Uh, of course, I guess at the time Chile was uh, it was a military dictatorship, and I would assume it was a I don't know if it was a fascist, you know, state or a okay. socialist. But anyway, um, you know, they I guess they had some some problems, you know, uh, you know, with just probably a transitional thing, but of course, you know, the, the socialist websites point to that as being why free markets won't work. And, uh, you know, if you guys could find any information on that or, hmm. you know... Uh,
3: the Chicago else, Boys. Chicago Boys in Chile Chicago in 1970. Right. Have heard anything about it? Well,
0: I heard something about uh, Chicago School of Economics that yeah. they're not right. really... Well, a a libertarian school of economics. It's not like the Austrian school. I don't know about all these schools and all of that. I don't know um, a lot of details on it. I'm not a scholar. Um, But nonetheless, I'd be interested to hear what the claims are about this. I'd be interested to hear more detail on, you know, what did they change, what facets did they modify, and then what do they claim that didn't work. Uh, It sounds sounds very questionable. I mean, the idea that... a military dictatorship is just going to let a few ec- economists come in and rework their entire economy seems a little questionable.
1: And I, th- I think, you know, the main thing was, you know, they tried to get rid of, you know, uh, they tried to get rid of tariffs and, you know, and, and and wage control and stuff like that. I mean, you know, of course they're saying it was a libertarian thing. It wasn't a libertarian thing. It, you know, if it's a military dictatorship, it, it would be a fascist thing, you know, if anything. But, uh, you know... and. and if, if anyone, you know, if you guys find any details on that, or if anybody knows anything about it, that will yeah, help we'll me. we'll I definitely look into that. I'll look into it.
0: Cato, thank okay, you thank for you the guys. call, sir. We appreciate hearing from you as always. 800-259. Oh, and congratulations uh, again on joining the uh, f- uh, Free State Project and first one thousand. That is fantastic. Yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight toll free line. Lots of people joining the first one thousand these days with the uh, um, Free State Project's big push. Yeah, it it is a push. I know you're going to be here uh, this weekend making yep, calls to tomorrow. Free State Project members. And we're going to try and get more people to sign up. We've essentially got, what, four to five weeks maximum left here before the end of the year. And the first 1,000 pledge essentially says we need to get 1,000 signers by the end of 2006 to agree that they're going to move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project by the end of 2008. 2008. So time's running out. We need just under 400 names. We've now cracked the 400 remaining mark. It's doable. It's doable. It
3: could happen. Well, it could. It, it, the reason it, it probably will is because um, they've, they've got a new system in place. Instead of trying to draw people to sign the, um, the first 1,000, they're now getting a list of people who said that they would move within a certain amount of time when they signed up, mm-hmm. and they're calling them. Right. And uh, you know, anybody, anybody outside salesperson is going to tell you that you're going to have a better uh, percentage of luck that way. You're going out and looking for the sales rather than trying to draw the sales into your um, store, location, website, whatever, and you're going to have a lot more luck and and it seems like the numbers are pretty good speaking of sales of course today is black friday Mm, that's right you must have some stories of somebody getting
0: Uh, you know i was shocked i was looking at uh... drudge and abc and there weren't any front page stories but i did spot one earlier and i'll do a little bit more digging here but according to the ap dense fog didn't stop shoppers in michigan from climbing into their minivans and suvs and heading to stores and malls in search of bargains no way, not, uh, no way not on the day when thousands of other deal seekers around the nation stormed electronics retailers and discounters in the pre-dawn chill, even as leftover turkey and stuffing cooled in the refrigerators. Uh, a quote, great deals. I'm, going shop- I'm shopping for everybody today. We hit Target. We're going to Meiser. We hit Sears. We started shopping at 5 a.m., according to 36-year-old legal assistant Joanne Desant from Windsor, Ontario. She said as she loaded her SUV with two cartloads of items from a Target store in Madison Heights, Michigan. Now, we were predicting... Out spending that money for Christmas. Yeah, well, the retail associations were predicting something like 137 million Americans up from 130 last year are going to come out... Or we're going to come out and shop on this Black Friday, and uh, I guess early results are showing that it's been pretty good, that uh, the turnout was, uh, was fairly decent today. Large crowds, they came, saw, and they bought, lured by retailers that tempted them with expanded hours, generous discounts, and free money in the form of gift cards. Neither a slowing economy nor mobs of other shoppers would stop them. We'll see if we can find some more details. Let's see if I can dig up any fight stories, see if any of that happened here today. And if you (laughs) experienced any of this, if you were out and about this morning as a part of Black Friday, doing some shopping, standing in lines, or maybe working on the other side of the counter, maybe you were working on the retail side and you've uh, got some interesting stories, we want to hear from you or bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231, it's your show. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. On this, the Black Friday edition of Free Talk Live. It's Ian here with me. and Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give them away, and that includes the live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them there, on the house. freetalklive.com. So tune in live or tune in later via the podcast. There's multiple ways to listen to the show. All for free. FreeTalkLive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. February 23rd through the 25th of 2007. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. FreestateProject.org slash Liberty Forum to get registered learn more. That's FreestateProject.org slash Liberty Forum. So trying to find out if there were any fights today. Uh, during black friday sales as you probably know if you've been listening within the past few days we've talked a, quite a bit about it today is the day when they claim i don't know if it's true but historically retailers are supposed to get in the black as they say today in that they've been for some reason operating in the red for 11 months of the year and now is when they finally start turning a profit well they don't want to look
3: like they're too profitable to us
0: you I, know. I guess profits are bad Anyway, it's just a day when a lot of people are uh, really uh, busy out shopping. Millions of Americans, 137 million estimated to turn out and shop today. Apparently, people were lining up as early as 8 o'clock last night to get into some of the midnight sales. Some uh, stores opening their doors at midnight. I presume staying open through the overnight hours uh, just to...
3: Get people in and uh, get them through the people door. get ready for the people that are going to come in at 9, right. at, at 5 a.m. or whatever.
0: Well, there's uh, seven-hour sales, five-hour sales all over the place, uh, prices being slashed, loss leaders, which are items that the business takes actually takes a loss on in order to get you into the store and hopefully have you buy some other stuff, maybe some gift certificates or uh, media, Everything else. anything else uh, at a regular price. And uh, people just go crazy. And so we're looking into some of the stories uh, of Black Friday here from the AP, talking about how early reports, the expanded hours, increased discounting and free money in the form of gift cards, drove hordes of shoppers to stores to buy flat screen televisions, computers and toys. Mark Demers, uh, 23 in Connecticut, said large crowds drive me nuts. But this was my Christmas present to myself. He had camped out overnight in front of the Best Buy store in West Hartford, Connecticut, for the 5 a.m. opening after seeing a TV commercial late Thursday touting $500 off the $1,500 price tag on a 42-inch LCD television set.
3: Saw so, something like that at uh, Walmart too. Yep. In fact, Walmart's
0: website crashed today because there were so many people wow. logging Walmart's on devices. Walmart's website yeah. crashed. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Clearly, Black Friday is becoming the biggest sport, said the chief analyst at uh, an analyst group, observing that shoppers this year bought fewer but pricier items than a year ago. A growing number of stores, such as KB Toys, opened at midnight. Some, like CompUSA and BJ's Wholesale Club, opened on Thanksgiving Day for the very first time. In fact, I was on uh, Garner Goldsmith's show here in New Hampshire this afternoon, and he was telling me that CompUSA apparently opened in Massachusetts uh, despite... The Massachusetts blue law that, pre- uh, that prevents businesses from opening on Thanksgiving, they went ahead and flaunted the law hmm. and opened anyway. Well, good. Which I, th- I thought was great news. Overall, the biggest draws were consumer electronics, particularly flat-screen televisions, laptop computers, and digital cameras. I see- I saw laptop computers
3: sub four hundred dollars. I mean, that's a good, gr- that's a good deal. It's incredible. I don't know. Uh, I can't imagine um, what kind of. RAM and it's memory not going to be got, a performer. No, I mean, but but
0: really, if you're you buying a, lap- that. you shouldn't be buying a laptop for gaming anyway. I mean, really, your laptops are for the most parts web surfing, office documents, and for that you don't need a uh, crazy expensive laptop. You really don't. Uh, anyway, so toys fared well too. In addition to the hard to find uh, Fisher Price TMX Elmo, what what is that? I, I don't Sounds know. like a like a racing Elmo or something <laughs> like that. TMX. Shoppers also snapped up other items like uh, anything Dora, uh, as in Dora the Explorer, robot toys, Fisher Price's Kids Touch digital camera, and a flywheel, the jacket-specific flywheel XPV. That's another one. I don't know what that is, according to Toy Merchants. Uh, I, but I don't know what any of them are. I've heard of Dora. Clothing, mirroring a trend in recent years, took a backseat. According to Cohen, apparel will be the late bloomer, making mall-based apparel stores a little bit nervous. Carting it to his car early Friday, he said the rest of his shopping would be done online. Large crowds drive me nuts. Oh, that's funny. They repeated the uh, same segment on two different pages. Even those who arrived early Friday and waited in line for the doors to open at 5 a.m. were not guaranteed success. Brian Clark of Bristol left empty-handed after the televisions and computers he'd eyed as Christmas gifts were snatched by earlier shoppers. Should have gotten there at 7 o'clock last night, buddy. If you want to get the deals, first come, first serve, no rain checks on Black Friday for the most part. Alarmed by a recent shootout, or a shooting, of a customer waiting outside a Connecticut Walmart store for Sony's PlayStation 3, which are almost impossible to find, Clark had tucked his Glock pistol in a holster under his jacket and put extra ammunition in his pocket before heading out Friday. Did you hear about that story, Mark? When the people were waiting outside of a Walmart for PlayStation 3s, and some thugs, I guess, rolled up, came out with a shotgun or something like that, or a couple, a couple of guns, and essentially robbed all of the people standing in line.
3: Well you'd figure that they they're, they're out there they're exposed um it's probably night nighttime right nighttime it's is when people like commit crimes yeah. um they so they're less likely to be seen from a distance i don't know whether they necessarily would be during the day or not i just but, don't
0: think that would fly here in new hampshire i mean you have got 20 people in line odds are good one of them's
3: packing heat uh, in new hampshire it's 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 legal to just carry a weapon with you as yeah it has to be exposed but it's legal to carry it let's go to the phones to the phone. dj in chicago you're on free talk
0: live with ian and mark hello dj Hey, how are you? Hey, what's on your mind?
4: Uh, I think Black Friday is silly. What do you mean? Well, from a free market perspective, it's great for the stores, but well, It's great I for the customers promotes...
0: too. The customers get great deals.
4: Well, yeah, well, that's right, of course. It's good for the customers too who get good deals, but it promotes Christmas to me and uh well, I'm opposed to Christmas. <laughs>
0: Oh, what are you, I,
4: I, I, don't, I don't observe Christmas.
0: Are you a pagan, an atheist, or what? Jehovah's Witness? Well,
4: I'm just an atheist, atheist, agnostic, humanist, realist, freethinker.
3: I, I don't know if... Uh, do you think, hold on just a second. Do you think that a holiday would have... Uh, without without any religion... Um, it's hard to say that religion wouldn't have cropped up without Christianity, but without uh, any religion here in the country, do you think a gift-giving holiday would have come up anyway?
4: I'm not sure. I, I, think, I think people would still give gifts. On birthdays, anniversaries, those kinds of events, but
3: well, I'm not right. sure that well,
4: a holiday specifically, like Christmas, well, well, gift-giving um, would, would arise.
3: What, what about the retailers' uh, hopes of uh, turning other holidays into Christmas, like, for instance, Valentine's Day? Yeah. Um, that's a completely manufactured holiday.
4: Oh sure,
3: it is. Well, Christmas is too, for that matter. No, mm, well, you know, I mean, it, it was a holiday before that was really into you know it was yeah, commercialized. It was holiday. But before this is a completely manufactured by the commercial right, right, entities Valentine's, holiday. Yeah,
2: right,
4: right. And I don't see what what is manufactured for the commercial purpose.
0: I don't see anything that's specifically Christmas about Black Friday. It it happens a month before Christmas. They, I mean, of well, course, there are Christmas decorations. Well, that's your—that's what you believe. But some people could be shopping for Kwanzaa. Some people could be shopping for uh, their other uh, the, the Jewish Hanukkah. holidays. Hol- uh, oh, that's Hanukkah. that's right. Well, I oppose all those too. Pagans I mean, might be—I sh- don't celebrate any of those. Pagans might I, be shopping I for now, now. hold on. pagans might be shopping for winter solstice. So right. you boycott that too?
4: Well, I—I—I I, I, I don't know. Winter solstice. Uh, I'm not so sure about that.
0: Well, winter solstice um, is what essentially was being celebrated before the Christians uh, right, took right, it as they, Christmas. Right.
3: So what do you think the chances are you're not agnostic, but just a curmudgeon? <laughs> Thanks for the call, DJ. Appreciate it.
0: 800-259-9231. You thought hell, I was cynical. Who
3: the hell are we to call people curmudgeons? Right. Is
0: what I wanted. 1-800-259-9231. You thought I was jaded. All right. You take control of the airwaves. Ian likes Christmas. More Black Friday. I don't really care for Christmas, but I like sales. More on the way. It's your show. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves, toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, that's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there because they're completely free, and that does include the listener map. You can go to map.freetalklive.com, and you can add yourself to it, or you can just scroll around the world and see who's listening to the show at map.freetalklive.com. So talking about uh, Black Friday here, and we're going to get back into it, but Frank's been waiting patiently in Brooklyn. You take control of the airwaves, Frank. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark.
5: Well, I want to wish you, gentlemen, a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you uh, had a good meal yesterday. Indeed,
0: sir. What's on your mind?
5: Yeah, I thought I would – your caller mentioned uh, questions about Milton Friedman and the Chicago School of Economics in South America during the – 1970s through 90s yeah, appara- period, restructuring economies and countries.
0: Right, apparently uh, he was reading a website that claimed that uh, it shows that the free market doesn't work or something like that. What? Well, what actually, do you have
5: to that's very true in many ways. I had the opportunity in the 70s of studying you know, Milton Friedman's monetarism and one time playing tennis with him uh, when I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because, in a sense, Milton Friedman's contribution was, in a sense... Uh, defining and redefining the concept of capital with regard to a free market.
0: What does that mean? Uh,
5: By that I mean, uh, if you look at his, in the 1980s, a lot of his Theories and ideas were espoused by individuals from George Gilter who wrote Wealth and Poverty to Ronald Reagan when he was deregulating, you know, the banking industry, saying that the free market is what actually stabilizes not only an economy, but it also stabilizes a nation and the people.
2: Okay. And in a
5: sense, what Friedman did originally, a lot of his ideas came from Ludwig von Mises, who was the founder of the Austrian banking school in right. Europe. And von Mises wrote a great work called Human Action, which is sort of like uh, an all-inclusive analysis of uh, an economy and uh, the the banking industry, per se.
0: So how does this Uh, all tie into Chile? It all ties in
5: in the sense that Milton Friedman, uh, in the 70s, was uh, contracted uh, by the World Bank and by the I guess, new military governments in uh, Chile and Argentina to actually restructure their economies. And basically what he did, uh, he uh, set up a system of wage and price controls that the junta, the military junta, could enforce. They reestablished the central banking model. That it doesn't sound very free market fixed. to me. No, actually it isn't. That, that's actually the, the truth of it. In many ways, it, it's antithetical. What he did in Central America is antithetical to his philosophical writings You know, in Chicago in uh-huh. the 1950s and 60s and early 70s. Why
0: would he do something like that?
5: Well, ultimately – Just unprincipled?
0: Uh, pardon me? Just an unprincipled guy, sellout? No, no,
5: I wouldn't say that. Basically, Milton Friedman, I thought, should have been you know, the Fed chairman – he, he, you know, his concept of monetarism is basically a strong central banking uh, model. So he's not very. With so he, the then occurrence. he's not
0: really for free markets then. In many ways, in practice,
5: that's correct. In fact, he could be one of the godfathers of the neocon
0: movement. That's unfortunate. In fact, most
5: of the students that studied in the '70s that did their doctorates at Chicago.
0: So, Frank, did now of course,
5: work with Friedman.
0: So then, these socialists that are claiming that well, Friedman came down here to make a free market—that's just not true at all. That's Friedman correct, came down to just reorganize their bloody. system into a, a central a central bank.
5: Correct. Ultimately, his policies were very bloody because you had hundreds of thousands of of union people massacred by the military government because they felt they were a threat to the economy, and you had violations of civil rights that went on for over 12 years. So in many ways, you could say that his application of his monetarism in the South American environment was really fascistic Hmm. and totalitarian in many ways. So in a sense, uh, I always felt that that that's where Milton sort of lost it. I mean, when he became very famous after he won the Nobel Prize in economics in the uh, mm-hmm. early 70s, I forget what year, but you can read his, um, if you go to the Nobel site website, you can read his address as okay. a Nobel laureate. Um, you know, ultimately, I think I think he really became very powerful and very arrogant, and I do yeah. think that his early writings were very philosophically sound, but in many ways, when we apply... Philosophy what? to real world situations. We have many problems.
3: Is it, wasn't he responsible for um, with the income tax withholding post World War II? I mean, that's what oh, I was that guy.
5: Well, actually, no. Actually, that goes back further than Friedman. But the point is, with Friedman. Wait, is Friedman the guy who just
0: died? Yes, he okay. did.
5: Correct. I think he died at age ninety-two.
0: Right, something like that. Yeah, but, he's more,
5: very, but okay. he was very influential, and he played a very good game of tennis.
0: Oh, I remember. Did you call him uh, Uncle
5: Milty? <laughs> at the height of his at the height of his popularity in the early seventies. Uh, you know he was he was quite a, a force on the tennis court. Well,
0: that's I guess that's what he should be remembered for. Then instead no, of no, causing no, no, bloodshed no, in Chile, wrong.
5: he did. Let's be very honest. What he also did he introduced, uh, and what he did in Central America or in South America, I should say, he really introduced econometric models on a great scale. Wow, that's now, beyond that me. What does that mean? Models are models where you try to define every function or output of an economy, and then you plug in numbers such as cash flows, uh, growth figures, you try to, to, in a sense, uh, create a model, and then you follow the outcomes. Well, as we know, those are really abstractions, but the application of those models in Chile and Argentina were the ones that – that really, uh, you know, were the first time they were put in in the grand scale. Okay. And I'll some, take your word for that. It's like going beyond good, me at this point. But thank you, you for the
0: call, Frank. I appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I can only handle so much. He knows more stuff. than we can consume. Oh yes, he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, but the, I did. The, I did get the interesting information that uh, and fr- he's what I,
3: one hell of a tennis player.
0: What I gleaned from all that is that um, old Milty was a good tennis player <laughs> and not so principled.
3: When it comes to the whole uh, economics thing, I get the impression that he was a, a was a man torn as far as uh, you know. He, he believed in some uh, free meca- free uh, market economics ideas, and then in other ways, he just couldn't let go of uh, central control.
0: Right. Well, when I had heard that, uh, you know, when when Cato called in earlier and said that these military dictators hired this guy to come down and restructure their economy, I couldn't imagine why a military dictator would ever want to have someone come in and turn his country into a free market. That's not going to happen ever. Doesn't seem like it makes much sense. No, and it didn't make sense. And now now it makes sense, though. What's going on is the socialists are pointing to this and saying... Well, look at this. You, they, they, these uh, killers hired Milton Friedman to come down, and he's a free market economist, and they hired him to turn it into a free market, and all these people died. Well, turns out they wouldn't. He didn't turn it into a free market. He reorganized their economic system, created a central bank for the country, and that's all he did. And that, that doesn't and have central to banks do with,
3: are, you know, the antithesis to a, a, yeah. a free market. Well, yeah, there's no competition.
0: One 259 So I'm glad he cleared that up for me. The rest of it that I got a little lost on. All right, so we were talking about Black Friday. Sales, that's something everybody can understand, right? Economics that everybody gets. Slashing the prices, getting people through the doors, and uh, Black Friday, of course, is what we're talking about. The ABC uh, AP story talking about just some examples of people that showed up this morning at 5 a.m. Gary Miller, a 45 year old computer programmer, showed up at Walmart at 5 a.m. to hunt for a 20 inch LCD television he had seen advertised online. Quote, my wife sent me out for this one, he said, pointing to the set in his shopping cart. But then I saw this one, a 20-inch cathode ray tube, a more conventional-style television, for 85 bucks, and said, what the heck, I'll get that one too. And uh, that's the one I pointed out earlier this week, Mark. Yeah. I told you that was going to be popular. Cheap. Even made it into the AP article. Plenty of shoppers like Rochelle Little from New Jersey have been preparing for Black Friday since mid-October. Helped by a swath of new websites like blackfriday.info. I wish I'd spotted that before today because I would have gone and uh, perused it. And it's pretty useful. I actually went there. Blackfriday.info. What they do is they collect all of the deals from all of the major retailers in America. And just put them all on one page. So you want to click Target? Click Target. It shows you all of the Target deals. All in a list. It doesn't show you the picture of the item. But it does show you just the textual item description and the cost. Wow. And a very, very useful website. So she'd been preparing since it's last interesting. month. Interesting.
3: I I don't get out to these things, but interesting nonetheless.
0: Little monitored a website called BFAads.net, excuse me, net to help map her shopping excursion as precisely as a military campaign. Oh my First God. at Toys R Us. She was going to take Walmart. Then Walmart, then Target. She said the planning worked. Little was able to get her 7-year-old son a motorized scooter for 99 bucks, saving $70 off the retail price, and a RoboSapien remote control robot for 30 bucks. That's V2 that's out now. V2?
3: Yes, version 2. or generation The RoboSapien two. thing? Yes. More
0: on the way. I don't even know what this is. More coming up. You take control of the airways. It's what did you arm. do today? Did you celebrate Black Friday and buy some stuff? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show, the Black Friday edition. You take control of the airwaves, toll-free, 800-259-9231. Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. For all your voiceover IP needs, head over to Packet8.net. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features. They're all completely free. Now, we do ask that you help support the show on a voluntary basis by buying some stuff. It is, of course, Black Friday. That means the sales have been pretty crazy around in the major big-box store retailers. We've been talking about um, how apparently, uh, it's according to early impressions, I guess, or early results here, th- they did pretty well, the retailers did today. And online retailers, obviously, doing well. They call What do they call online Monday? I think they say Black Friday and then online Monday because everybody does a lot of Internet shopping when they get to work or that sort of thing on hmm. Monday. Well... If you are in front of your computer this weekend, you can help support Free Talk Live by shopping online at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Anything you buy, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of anything in the 35 categories of products that are there. So if you know what you need to buy for somebody, if you've got the uh, what I want for Christmas list or whatever your kids have given you, uh, or you know what your uh, significant other is looking for, odds are good Amazon has it. I mean, if it's available in a department store, they've got it at Amazon. So head over to Amazon.Freetalklive.com, get your shopping done there. And if you don't know what to get, and in most cases, really, you really don't know what to get, right? Unless you've been specifically asked
3: for something, it's always safer to go with a gift certificate, right? Yeah, because everybody loves a gift certificate. You know, it uh, it doesn't it's not quite as it doesn't have quite the uh, warm fuzzy to it. But it's really Are a you practical kidding? I feel gift. good when I get a gift certificate,
0: unless it's a, a gift certificate to someplace that I never shop, like a, a flower store or something like that. But at Amazon, since they've got virtually anything that you can imagine, a gift certificate to Amazon goes a long way. In fact, I believe you can buy them for as low as $20 or maybe even less than that, all the way up to $5,000. Wow. So, really, I mean, you could give somebody a gift certificate and they could go buy themselves a plasma TV on Amazon. And the cool thing is about the gift certificates, we get a percentage of that as well. So get the stuff you need, and then for everybody else that you are gonna buy gift certificates for at whatever other store, get it at Amazon, Amazon.Freetalklive.com. You get all your shopping done in one place. You don't even have to do more than lift a few fingers. Like simple, click. easy. That's the way we like it. All right. So if you've been on the, uh, if you've been out and about today at Black Friday, if you were out waiting in a line, if you were perhaps working in retail or working, uh, working in retail behind the counter and you saw something interesting happen today, I'd I'd looked for fight stories, and I couldn't find anything. Like, there's no real juicy stuff this year on Black Friday. I'd say that's a good thing. I guess. Well, according to Reuters, this year's Black Friday could be the strongest opening to the holiday shopping season in years. If the droves of Americans eager to exploit early bird specials are any guide, according to the chief executive of Federated Department Stores Incorporated, he told Reuters Terry Lundgren that he arrived at the company's flagship Macy's Herald Square store at 5.30 a.m., to find lines wrapped completely around the building. Oh, my. Which takes up a whole city block. This is a big building. It That's is. a big line. Uh, Quote, I've been coming here for many years at the same time on this particular day, and this looks like the largest crowd we've seen in years, said Lundgren, adding that the sunny and cold weather was good for shopping, especially for coats and cashmere sweaters. Consumers think of the Friday after U.S. Thanksgiving holiday as the first day of the all-important holiday season and a time to snag bargains, freebies, and sales. The Thanksgiving weekend accounts for 9% to 10% of all holiday sales.
3: That's a pretty good chunk according to an analyst for the telsey group now, nine to ten percent of all of the holiday sales th- the yeah, i guess i'm th- thinking there's there's two things there's versus sales versus you know uh, money exchanged hands and then mm-hmm. sales um you know these um events where they lower prices i think it's uh, money changing hands okay We were extremely surprised by how promotional the
0: circulars and the advertisements have been, according to the National Retail Federation. Retailers really went all out to offer some substantial discounts this weekend to bring people into their stores. Everything we've seen indicates that consumers are responding. And this is usually a good indicator, though not always. Black Friday is usually a a pretty good indicator of how the rest of the season is going to be. Though last year it wasn't quite the case. Last year, uh, Black Friday was decent, but the rest of the season was kind of lukewarm. So we'll see what happens this year. Federated Lundgren said he felt really good about the start of the holiday shopping season, and he was confident that the company would deliver on its target of same-source sales for the fourth quarter, rising 3 to 5%, despite some softness in sales of home decor items. Macy's, which, like many stores, opened earlier than usual, offered special morning-only deals, such as a five-piece luggage set for 50 bucks and a one-carat diamond circle pendant for less than $100. I guess that's a good deal. I'm not much of a, a jewelry guy. You know, one carrot for less than a hundred bucks—is that good? It sounds really good, but it's
3: probably a—you uh, know—I mean, pretty crappy quality. It's just my guess, though.
0: Retailers this year used special promotions and longer hours, hoping they could turn over more parking spaces and attract shoppers of different ages with different sleep needs. If anything, long lines to get into stores at checkout counters caused some shoppers to have second thoughts. For example, Monique handed a friend, and a friend left. A, uh, their home in New Jersey at 2.30 in the morning, bound for New York's Woodbury Common Outlet Center. Like they're going Center, fishing or something. which uh, Yeah, fishing for a deal, which opened at midnight. But when they arrived two hours later, the crowds, lines, and a full parking lot were too much to handle. Can you believe this? They left at 2.30, figuring, you know, it's New Jersey, they're going to get there maybe in an hour or so, get parked, get in the store. The parking lot and the lines were crazy at 3 in the morning. Just amazing. <sighs> I guess the reason why we aren't getting calls on this is because everybody's sleeping. I don't <laughs> they were, know. They were up so early, and now, they, uh, now they're crashing out. The women headed back to New
3: Jersey. Uh, I was up. I, I got up at 5.30 a.m. this where are you? morning. Yeah, um, Senior Grouchy Pants decided to, uh, I don't know, it sounded like a, a tin can full of nails he knocked over. I don't know where, you know, I don't have such a thing, but uh, I don't know what the heck he knocked <laughs> he over. He couldn't find it. You couldn't find whatever he knocked I, over? I didn't really care. Whatever it was was going to stay, remain knocked over. I see. And I didn't see, I didn't see it this morning. <laughs> but he knocked something over in the middle of the night trying to uh, be able to look out the window. So that's why you got up then. And, yeah, so I woke up and, and started grousing at the cat and um, was up for about an hour. I didn't have any desire. I thought, hmm, you know, I could go to the Walmart and look at some deals.
0: No, you don't want to go look at a deal. You, you don't get up on Black Friday to go shop around. Mm. You target
3: exactly what it is you want. you pick it out in the ads and you go for it. there's nothing that I want that badly, even when I looked at uh, the forty two inch plasma TV, you know well you've got, got a widescreen, five or six inches uh, wide deep, whatever yeah. it is
0: it would for be a thousand dollars it
3: would be an upgrade a thousand dollars it'd be pretty cool, but a thousand dollars.
0: yeah, I say hold off. I mean again, I'm just I mean good consumer advice. Black Friday's fun to talk about and fun to watch and fun to participate in. If there's something you absolutely need and can't pass up. But if you've got a TV set and you like your TV set and you're satisfied with it and you don't have to be the first kid on the block with a new plasma set, Mm -hmm. then hold off. Because look at the look at what plasma televisions have done Haven't in the, they the gone, last few gone from years. like
3: 4000 to you actually 2, they've
0: gone from 10,000 to 4000 to 2000 to now $1000. Now the low resolution ones are are going for less than $1000 at this point, just under 1000. The ones that are a little bit higher resolution probably around 1500 to 2000. But
3: I mean this has been a a, a time span of what five, four or five years that we've seen these prices drop. A the, friend of mine got one and I was watching a football game on there. And that's amazing. They they broadcast the football games mm-hmm. in HD and oh yeah oh my god it's just you can see the grass you can it see is the crisp. sweat um it's incredible but I, I, I how much football do I watch right. I I just don't care you're not I much watch. of a TV watcher so I mean I I could play my video games on it but I think that they would probably be about the same resolution as they are because they're you know it's a PS2 and yeah PS- i gonna run out and get another spend another thousand dollars on a PS3 no I'm not.
0: Right, exactly. Now, if you do want to get a plasma set or a DLP or one of these nice widescreen, flat, very thin televisions, I'm telling you, just hold out. I mean, if you're okay with your TV, hold out because the prices are going to keep coming down. The competition is so hot and heavy in the television industry. uh, Screen size is going up, price is going down, and the technology just keeps getting better and better. Uh, the, I
3: suppose that's true with televisions, um, you know, all along. Well,
0: but. you've got the you've got multiple different manufacturers cranking out the TVs mm-hmm. as you always have, but now you also have multiple different technologies to choose from. So maybe you don't want to get plasma; you want to get digital light projection or LCD. I mean, there's three um, big time competing technologies inside the TVs Isn't as well. Is not plasma best? Eh, they all have their ups and downs. Hmm. There's some there's some pluses and minuses. I mean, if you're not a total video file. I mean, if you aren't, if you haven't actually read details on how these systems work, you'd have a, you'd have trouble differentiating between some of these.
3: Well, um, they're they're all uh, different widths, though. I mean, the plasma is cool because you can hang it on a wall like a picture, right? Yeah, the plasma probably is the best, I guess, of all of them. Well, you only um, have to, to know which one's the best, you only have to look at the price tags.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So if you've been out and about um, enjoying Black Friday, participating, love to hear from you. Disney stores, many of which opened at 5 a.m., were discounting their entire stock by 20% until 10 a.m. Manhattan's famed Toy Emporium, FAO Shorts, didn't bother to wait until Friday. It opened its doors on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Jeff Dugan, an office technology manager who came shopping with his wife at uh, the local Best Buy, said they couldn't get into the parking lot. At 6 a.m., so getting up so early wasn't even worth it. This I is crazy. Couldn't get into the parking lot. Incredible. Yeah, uh, our plan didn't work. We came out too late at 6 a.m. 800-259-9231. All right, that's enough Black Friday recapping. Hour number two is on the way. We got regular stuff to talk about, including something about those emergency phones that you see everywhere. They're supposed to be for emergencies. But is that what they're used for? We'll find out. Coming up here, 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Hour number two is on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 2, Friday edition of the show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet A toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. There are still a few bugs we're ironing out, so do bear with us as we get the website back up to 100% functioning capacity. Uh, All right, like, let's go to the phones, Mark. Not our phones, but emergency
3: phones. (laughs) Well, um, apparently at the University of Colorado, um, things are not working with their emergency phones. When uh, police dispatchers receive a call from one of the blue emergency phones that dot the University of Colorado campus and the adjacent hill, there's a chance it could be from somebody in dire Help, need of help.
0: No, the, I guess the reason they put these there is because on college campuses from time to time, you know, there, there might be a rape or a robbery or something like that. Just it's, like the anywhere. Just yeah. like anywhere. But th- obviously you're concerned with your uh, your clients, your students, and you want to make sure they feel safe. So you put up these phones
3: from place to place and say if there's a problem, just pick up the phone. It's a direct line to the police. I'm not entirely sure that it's just the college that's put these up. Um, it's from the University Hill General Improvement District. Hmm. Which is probably, in some ways, influenced by the college, and in some ways just the neighborhood around it. I don't know, um, but the chances of it of them needing uh, help are very small. Hmm. Um, of the 156 calls that came in to the city dispatchers this year from five phones on uh, University Hill, police found no apparent need for 153. Oh my God! That's three. Out of 156. And
0: what were the other, th- I mean, what were those three? Do, do they actually go into detail?
3: Um, they do just a little later in the article. Okay. Um, they give a few more numbers here. Uh, CU police dispatchers have taken 100 and, 219 calls um, from, I, I don't understand why they say this, but um, 219 this year, and then, of course, the other 156 was supposed to be from this year too. So 60 phones on campus, uh, 209 of these appeared to be groundless, which, of course, means that 10 of them weren't. <laughs> 3.5 percent of calls were legitimate, included including ones from residents calling for an ambulance, reporting trespassing, and a cat burglary. Hmm. Um, all the things that could have been used, they could have used 911 for. I mean, it wasn't or a, a cell phone, right? Right. Um, in all, in most cases, the University Hill uh, General Improvement District, which installed and maintains the phones, is trying to figure out ways to reduce the numbers of prank calls. Yeah, we get rid a, of the phones. We put a bunch of. Uh, Phones with, uh, you know, emergency phones with drunk college students, so we can't understand why we're getting prank calls.
0: I know. We could put video cameras up
3: to monitor each of the phones so we know who everybody is that makes the calls. Well, the police are pretty, uh, uh they're, they're they're exasperated. Now, can you imagine um, what happens if you're a university student? Rah, rah, I'm going to make a funny call. <laughs> and uh, you, you make the call, and then you pass out in front of the phone, and, and the cops find you. You're in trouble. Yeah, true. Well... They put the phones there. They created a new problem. Right. I mean, well, how many problems have they solved versus how many problems have they created? Mm, indeed, they've created 209 problems. Right. They've solved 10, and mm. they can only and that's because they can take credit for 10. How many of those 10 would they have not solved anyway?
0: Right. Yeah. You know, back in 1970, this would have been a sensible thing to do, but nowadays everybody's uh, everybody's got a cell phone, and it's more likely that a virtual. I mean, when I say everybody, I mean. On a college campus, the the younger you are, the more likely you are to have a cell phone, right? If you're 65, well, you might not have a cell phone. But if you're 25 or 20 or 18, yeah, odds are really good. Mommy and Daddy sent you to school with a cell phone. At least for emergencies. Right, or you've got your own. And if you're on college campus, you're probably not far away from somebody else anyway, right? There's usually people
3: around. It, it, one would think. So... um. It's they're, they're trying to figure out uh, whether plastic shields might reduce the number of drunken impulse calls. <laughs> the things do serve a valuable function. If they're crying wolf all the time, it's going to make them less useful, said Jan Otto, mm-hmm. who serves on the district's board. Because Bo- it was her idea. That's why she thinks it's a valuable service. Yeah. Uh, Boulder Police Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Laurie, whatever, um, said she and other officers who patrol the hill find it frustrating because they have to respond to every emergency call. It's difficult for us because we use so many hours of manpower responding to these false calls for service. Hmm. Um, We get the call, we respond, and no one's ever around. Why do they just want to waste the cops' times? Didn't they know this was going to happen? I mean, these little pull-down fire alarm things didn't give them some indication as to what was going to go on? Still, authorities say they think it's worth having the emergency phones available (laughs) for people who might need them. It
0: just saves one
3: life. No, it's not. (laughs) Because it's just such a... A, a use of manpower i mean it's just incredible yeah. who's paying for the cops to go not the university authority you can believe that hmm. if you were just looking at it from a business school perspective just look at the numbers it might not make sense said uh the uh, police lieutenant brad wisely but the phones reassure students and their parents that we have a direct line to help if they uh run into trouble he said as a parent i think it would make me feel better about the institution i now know what that- kind of trouble really i mean what kind of trouble? Cat burglary, apparently. Well, that's not trouble that you need to run
0: to an emergency phone for. I mean, really, the only thing you could think of that, or that I could think of that would, uh, that would apply here, would be maybe uh, a mad, mur- a mass murderer on campus or something it like happened that.
3: Happened at University of Florida, but it, I still think that cell phones um, are more useful because if I feel like I'm in danger and mm-hmm. I've done this before, I've had my cell phone out and I've had um, a number dialed mm-hmm. so that at the very least somebody could hear. Get some idea what's going on. I've sure. heard the person in, um, you know, in the beginning that I would do this. And, you know, if they hear some noises, they're probably going to be like, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Hear me yelling, help. Yeah. Chances are good. They'll call the cops. So I don't know. Um, it, it, I don't, it just doesn't it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, to it me. seems these, a these little silly or uh, ridiculous.
0: I don't know. Are we going overboard here by suggesting the phone should be taken away? Uh, certainly, no tax dollars should be uh, spent for this, and they are. What's the solution here, though? I mean, we still want to make sure kids, uh, the kids on the campus, can be safe, right? We want to make sure they feel safe. That's the purpose of the phone. So, is there some, is there some sort of a balance? One eight
3: hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's a great um, indication, you know. It's a great indication of the rule of unintended consequences. Here, somebody thought it would be a great idea to put up this. Um, you know, phone system that's going to help protect everybody. If somebody's in danger, they can pick up a blue phone and just mm-hmm. right away it'll call the cops and they'll be safe. Well, what have they gotten? 97% yeah. drunk calls. <laughs> that's, you know, that's all these great ideas that people have. And who's paying for it? People of Colorado.
0: Now, the it's taxpayers. Not, it's not very likely that a, a college student on his cell phone is going to drunkenly dial 911. I think most people, when they dial 911, they probably realize that, oh, this is coming from my phone number, the cops are going to be able to trace it back, right. they're going to know who it was, but at one of these emergency phones, all you have to do is pick it up and say, hey, what are you wearing? <laughs> Click. Mm-hmm. you know, Or whatever it is that the prank is, and then you leave. I mean,
3: there's no evidence. Right. I mean, you know, and if, if they wanted to dust the phone for prints or something like that, but right. I don't imagine that's uh, very effective. It, yeah, if there's 100 people that have picked up the phone, then what good's that going to do? And, and by the looks of the prank calls, 100 people have picked up the phone. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it's just they're, they're, the, the bureaucrats are saying you know they're bemoaning the problem, but they're defending the phones. And I just don't think that the phones make any sense. Sure, the phones were put in by this uh, you know, quasi-governmental authority there on the campus and probably paid for by the campus or um, something like that, mostly mm-hmm. with campus funds. But it's not the phones that cost all the money. It's the cops responding to it. That's true. And, you know, it just legitimizes the larger and larger police forces we have.
0: Right. And and, Well, maybe, I mean, I guess the the point of responding is, like, if somebody makes a call and doesn't say anything, they have to drive out there to make sure that everybody's okay. Is that the point of the response? Maybe they should just change the rule to where you actually have to talk to somebody,
3: you know? They're not going to do that either because, well, what if somebody just manages to get the phone off and then they can't say anything? What if they're having a stroke, what if they're what? What if they're having a? Well, the cops won't are... be able to save somebody from, from a stroke. They're not medically trained. Well, they'll then call the other authorities who right. will a- arrive within the hour and uh, hopefully save the person. Right? Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's, a messy situation. It, it's messy and it's you know un- unintended consequences. Now I have a question about cat burglary. For okay. You. Um, you don't like the idea of laws that uh, are put in place that uh, you know outlaw thought, and. I was thinking about armed burglary uh, earlier today. Now, armed burglary the the way it's used in the legal system is not the way I don't I think that it was originally intended to be used. Armed burglary is when you burglarize a house and okay. you're armed usually with a um handgun is the I think the idea of it. Um, if now obviously now the way it's being used is currently if you break into a house and you steal a handgun, they'll charge you with armed burglary. Okay. But I have a question about um, the actual what they imagined, I think, arm burglary to be. I want to know what you think about that.
0: Hmm. I still don't know what the question is, so I guess you're going to ask the question I'm ask coming question up question here. when we get back. Okay. I'm teasing. 800-259-9231. five nine ninety was hoping you'd let me think about it. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves. This is your show, and uh, you'll get to answer Mark's question too, maybe. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You take control, toll free, 800-259-9231, and bring up whatever you want. The Friday edition, we're here live, Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can uh, bring up anything at, again, 800-259-9231. The website is freetalklive.com, and there's a bulletin board system there with over 140,000 posts awaiting you. Lots of people registered. That, though, is one of the problems we have with our website at the moment. We can't accept new bulletin board registrations at the moment. Hmm. so do bear with us if you're trying to get in there we're working on getting everything back up and running also the bulletin board system is not
3: free talk bbs free talk live bbs you're not welcome
0: (laughs) also it's not sending out notifications so if you are watching a topic and expecting for the system to notify you when there's a new post it's not Hmm. so you'll have to check in uh, manually to the post that you care about all right that said though it is still free and it's online bbs.freetalklive.com and working for the most part uh, all right, so Mark, you were going to ask me a question about
3: burglary. Well, um, I was thinking about this today, and and um, why it, it, were you it, thinking of robbing somebody? No, I was just thinking about the idea of burglary and how it's uh, wrong that they used armed bur- that they use armed burglary to describe burglary of a weapon. Um, they they generally do this. They charge somebody who's committed burglary. One of the valuable things in a house is weapons. They sure. steal the weapons in order to sell them or now, whatever. Guns are worth hundreds of dollars. Whether the gun is even loaded, um, you'll get charged with armed burglary if you steal the weapon, okay. and therefore be you know go from a third degree to a second degree felony. Hmm. And I, I don't really think that's the spirit of the law. So then I was thinking, hmm, well, what do I think about this, and, and what would you think about it? Because I usually take a more extreme stance on things than I do, and I think you do here too. Um, it's just a guess. Now, um, in the case of burglary, uh, it, armed burglary, it's a thought crime to say that, armed, that that the charge armed burglary even exists. Let me explain. So you, bur- you burglarize someone's house with a gun on your hip. You're no more or less dangerous than a person who's um, burglarizing without a gun on their hip, except that you can draw the weapon. It's true. So if you don't draw the weapon on someone, then have, you haven't really done anything with the gun. So it's sort of right. um, armed burglary is a charge saying you could very well use that weapon on someone. Okay, yes it is. So what do you think about that? What, what do I think about what exactly? Charging someone more excessively for breaking into a house with a gun on their hip. If they don't use the gun? If they don't use the gun. It doesn't seem to uh, – is the gun in
0: sight? Is the gun part of the operation or is it that would, is the it gun ap- concealed? It would, ap- it would
3: apply in both cases. It, wait, wait, wait. The, what, uh, what, the charge would apply in both cases. You could have the gun concealed. I
0: feel like if the gun is out of sight and not used in the crime, if the person who's the victim—you're
3: talking about a burglary where somebody's home at the time, a home invasion. I guess right? that um, it's still not used in that particular. Um, you know, the it's it's not specific to that case. You can um, burglarize a house that no one's there and still get an armed burglary charge. If they
0: catch you. In the act, and you have a gun on you. I mean, how else would they know you had a gun on you,
3: right? Well, um, generally, like I said, they use the charge to um, charge people that have stolen guns. I see what you mean. And that's how they charge people that aren't there. I mean, I, I don't know the specifics of every instance out okay, there. Okay, so but presuming the, that's the idea. That's,
0: presuming somebody's home. If nobody's home, I don't see what the deal, what the big difference is. You're stealing stuff. The crime is theft of property. Mm-hmm. I don't see how uh, having a gun modifies that particular crime. Now, if the theft, of, if the theft involves taking property from someone who's actually there at the time, and you have a gun in the small of your back, but yet you never access it because they're just afraid of you on on your own, uh, again, you're you're threatened. Then there's the crime of uh, threatening somebody and stealing their property, and if you pull out a gun, then you're threatening them with a gun. I mean, it, then it definitely uh, increases the... I guess the volatility of the situation you at think that, that point, I think an extra charge wearing might it on be your warranted.
3: Hip, wearing it on your hip is a threat? I think so, sure. Okay. Do you think that uh, big people should get more time than little people? <laughs> because they're more threatening. I, I don't know, Mark. I, I that's know. an it's, excellent question. Gets, I think, I, I, should there be
0: more time or less time? I don't know. I think that's something that a judge and a jury has to decide based on the individual facts in a case was the individual... I mean, it's it's about theft of people's property when it really really comes down to it. All of these other things are ancillary factors.
3: But basically, you do support burglars' rights to um, bear arms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I support anybody's rights to bear arms, <laughs> but I don't support people's rights to burgle. There's no right to burgle. You don't get to
3: just uh, break and enter and take people's stuff. I don't know what I think about this. I mean... I I think that uh, a step in the right direction would be, um, you know, charging people with the spirit of the law that armed burglary would be for people that broke into houses and businesses with guns and the intent to being armed while they were burglarizing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if there's a, uh, you know, exacerbating charge called armed cat burglary out there. Um, which is the really the only time that really, it would be, this, should come into play. This is all splitting hairs because if we oh, were, no, it's not no it is because if we were to actually have a
0: restitution based court system, burglary would happen much less often. There would still be the professional burglars out there, but I think you would see a lot less uh first of all, in our fantasy world, right, mark, we're gonna end the war on drugs, right, so a lot of we're gonna have a lot less crackheads. Uh, busting into people's houses just to steal stuff so they can go sell it at a pawn shop and get a crack fix. And they're they're really really out there's there. There's a so lot I'm, of
3: that. I'm afraid that that's really the truth.
0: I'd say odds are good odds are good if you catch a burglar in your house they're probably a drug addict looking for money for yeah. drugs.
3: I'm going to guess 75. I'm going to try to stay low and because say 75% of burglaries are um, committed by people who want to get I drugs. I would
0: I would say if you catch the burglar in the act 100% of the chan- uh, there's a 100% chance that is not a professional cat burglar. A professional burglar is going to be staking out the house days and days, maybe weeks in advance. They're going to know your patterns. They're going to know when you're home, when you're not, who's home at what time of the day, and they're going to know exactly when to uh, to go in and make
3: and, and do the job. Well, I think that a Professional cat burglar is sort of a misnomer. Um, you, you've got a professional burglar out there, and only in very rare um, instances would they ever want to go into a building that's occupied by somebody. I mean, maybe in the case of uh, is that
0: what a cat burglar does? I thought yeah. cat burglars. I didn't know what cat burglar was. I was just using it. As uh, sometimes I use cat
3: cat burglar to describe times of day that you, uh, mm-hmm. you, you you rob because people are more likely to be at home. But um, you know, like a cat burglar would be like Hudson Hawk when they're s- stealing the uh, expensive painting, um, in the right from a someone's nose. Right in the armed uh, museum, the or nose. you know, sneaking into someone's house while they sleep. Yeah, and stealing their jewels. Yeah, the pros, the pros aren't going to do that stuff. That's, that's, that's silly. for the movies. Um, that that's a real adrenaline junkie yeah. who uh, <laughs> wants to go to jail, wants to get shot. <laughs> yeah. So
0: in that case, again, if we had our druthers, we'd end the war on drugs, which would end a tremendous amount of burglaries. And then what you got left are bored teenagers and the pros, right? And if word gets around that we've got restitution now... In I still that
3: think a lot of the pros are um, just, they're still drug addicts. Yeah, maybe
0: um but anyway if you get uh, if you the word gets around to the criminal element and it will that restitution is the name of the game now in that crime at the par- at the current in the current situation does pay for the most part if you keep committing crimes, you keep getting away with them, eventually you get caught, and you've made enough money, you've stolen enough stuff, you've committed enough crimes to where it doesn't matter if you sit in jail for a year or whatever the the, the penalty is, you've you've made a whole lot more otherwise. Crime does pay, but I in a restitution with that situation, I, it doesn't pay because you have to pay that person back. So if you stole some jewelry, if you stole a television set, all that gets counted up, and the the judgment is you owe this person this amount of money plus interest. And so there's no more pay. Crime doesn't pay as much anymore. Nobody's going to want to
3: burglarize if they know they're going to have to pay it all back. I disagree that crime pays. I, I would say that, uh, let's say, uh, pick a number that uh, you think that you can make uh, burglarizing houses. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not a burglar. Ten thousand or $100,000? Maybe.
0: it take you a
3: long time. If you were in really rich residences, okay, maybe. Um, let's say you get... Uh, you know, $50,000 a year to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year in prison, it's bad pay as far as I'm concerned. Two yeah. years, that's a really light sentence that you would do. I would think that you would do something like three or 4 mm. Mm, Well, seem likely. some crimes do pay.
0: 800-259-9231, this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The packet 8 toll free line, that's 1-800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give them away. An entire year's worth of show included right there on the front page of the site. Just download. Easy. No logging in, no membership fee, free stuff, freetalklive.com, and register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, New Hampshire, with some of the program taking place in the state house. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Let's move to a story that's uh, that I find pretty empowering, and... Uh, and and very it's, this is good news. Um, it's a great example of how it is that the internet is really changing the face of American uh, political action, and for our teenagers specifically. From antiwar.com, Scott Horton with MySpace.com bulletins and a handful of homemade flyers, two teens have struck a blow against the American warfare state in Lindale, Georgia division. On a Friday afternoon, the 17th of November, 17-year-old high school seniors Robert Day and Samuel Parker decided to act. Uh, After Day overheard some uh, some teachers at Pepperell High School saying that the first thing Monday morning, the school's juniors would be made to take the ASVAB military aptitude test. The Armed Services
3: Vocational Aptitude Battery.
0: Often administered under the guise of a career aptitude test, the ASVAB's purpose is to better equip the state to prey on young people tricked or pressured into taking the test. According to Debbie Hopper of Mothers Against the Draft, it's often given... Sure, th- they, they
3: fill out all their information on the little um, section, you know, of this, this test. All these standardized tests are the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. the ACT, the SAT, and the ASVAB um, all have pretty much all your information on there. Some your contact even, info, you mean. They go so far as to give your SOC. Mm. Um, and people who don't know or don't think about it just scribble down their Social Security number with no problem. Well, now, all this information is available to the military anyway. But then they have it attached to how useful you are to the military. Um, I see. Like, where you would be most – According to what the the test – that's what the test is for. Right. I mean, would you be most qualified to be a Navy nuke? Mm -hmm. Would you be most qualified to – you know, I mean, they they have all kinds of questions on this test. I never took it, but um, from what I understand, it – you know, they – They decide where you're best suited through this test. Well, the school board answered a concerned email from Parker's mother with a
0: suggestion that the test is not mandatory, but instead customary. Sane Americans might ask where? In Prussia? As a senior, he would not uh, not be made to take the test, but Day confronted the high school principal, Phil Ray, in defense of students younger than himself, and was told the test was mandated by federal law. Day says he already believed that, no, does that mean that the school's mandated to take or to give the test, or the students are mandated to t- take the test? I never ended up taking it. So I, I have don't... a feeling it's the, the former, not the latter, though this they're going like to play it off as though it's mandated for the students to take it. Day says he already believed that to be false, since he remembered the test being given only to the kids actually trying to join the military the year before. Regardless, the principal dismissed his objections. The juniors who were to be tested for their military aptitude were not to be told before the weekend. Principal Ray did not return repeated calls to his office, so essentially they were planning on just springing this test on the kids Monday morning. Come to school? Time to take this ASVAB test. While not easily deterred, Day and Parker decided they would do what they could to warn the juniors themselves. They talked to a few kids at the end of school on Friday afternoon and over the weekend sent out more than 20 messages to MySpace bulletin boards discouraging cooperation. Arriving early Monday morning, Day and Parker picked out spots and soon to, be pop- uh, soon to be populated with kids waiting for the bell to ring. And with the help of some others who quickly volunteered, rapidly distributed their 200 homemade flyers to some and also spoke to many others, encouraging all to refuse to report to the cafeteria or to even sabotage the test, either by ripping it up or filling in false information. This all because these two young men came across this information, and instead of deciding to just kick back for the weekend, like a lot of kids might, mm-hmm. they decided to take action. And this, in this case, it wasn't a lot of action. Sending out MySpace bulletins doesn't take more than a few minutes. Printing out a few hundred flyers, distributing them that morning, and we're talking about an hour or two maybe's worth of activism that might have helped a bunch of kids uh, key in on something that's really important. That is dodging this ASVAB test.
3: I would have to say the dodging the ASVAB test is a good thing. I, I don't know how much in the big picture it really um, matters, um, but it's every, it's little things. If everybody, that yeah, I, I right. would
0: agree. In the, in the big picture, probably not so much. But if a lot of people took these kind of
3: actions, if a lot of people did just a little bit of activism, it would matter a lot. And if you uh, Christmas tree the ASVAB, chances are good you won't get nearly as many calls from recruiters <laughs> because. They'll think you're a dummy or recalcitrant, one of the two, and they don't want either.
0: One of the military recruiters present attempted to snub their efforts, claiming the No Child Left Behind Act allows access to all of their information anyway, so you might as well take the test. Journalist and author James Bovard says the NCLB does indeed roll out the red carpet in terms of empowering the military to demand school records, but says the ASVAB is... Far beyond even what it allows, the pushing of this military aptitude test, Ballard says, Robert Bovard says, is typical of how government guides kids to an early funeral. Despite the recruiter's interruption, Parker says that he, Day, and their volunteers made sure every junior who may not have wanted to take the test had a chance to hear them explain its purpose and to understand that it was not mandatory. They estimate that about half of the school's juniors refused to even leave their regular classes to report to the testing site in the school's cafeteria. Some of the teachers, apparently learning about this at the last minute like everyone else and, confused as to the nature of the proceedings, insisted their students at least go to the cafeteria, even if they did not mean to cooperate with the military. Once the kids were there, they were informed that anyone who showed up in the cafeteria would be made to take the test. The Ah. old lunchroom catch-22 some of their t- some of the students deliberately decided to fill in faulty information. Perhaps that will go on their permanent record instead. Listen, kid, we're looking for test refusers just like yourself. Do you have what it takes? The soldiers told the students that if anyone ripped up their test, then all of the tests, including those that belonged to the one third or so of the kids that actually wanted to take it and receive their scores, would be thrown out. This bit of blackmail, uh, blackmail apparently worked on the kids who had reluctantly taken it, s- as no one physically destroyed their tests. Day and Parker estimate that less than a third of the juniors went along with a government scheme. Well, that's a shame. I don't see it,
3: that as a very persuasive thing unless the other kids were threatening to beat them up after well, class. You don't know. Um, that A third went along and then a third were meant to taking, so they scared a third. Mm-hmm. But still, there's no there's no telling what that third actually – they shook their confidence in that other third. Um, their confidence was, was shaken. They didn't take the test with the same – Uh, bigger that they would have taken it before. Mm -hmm. So they got a lower score, I would suspect, than they would have normally. And I can only say that's a good thing. The high school counselor, Ms. Nixon, made it clear to the juniors she was very disappointed in them for
0: embarrassing Principal Ray, but so far no punishments have been handed down. And by the way, Principal Ray, if he was embarrassed, it's his fault for being embarrassed. You don't embarrass somebody. You get embarrassed on your own. You can't say, well, Free Talk Live embarrassed me. No, no, no. You felt embarrassed for whatever reason. We might have said something that you then responded to, but you're in charge of your own emotions. These kids, not in charge of Principal Ray's emotions and how Principal Ray feels. So if Principal Ray was embarrassed, that's all his fault. Of course, leave it to the communists, the socialists running the school system to pretend otherwise. All in all Parker and Day said they were present, uh, pleasantly surprised by the help and encouragement of kids who they thought would not have cared at all. We could all learn from their example. All it took was just a little bit of effort, just a little bit of activism, and uh the as they pointed as they pointed out, they thought the kids were just going to shrug it off, oh whatever, it's just a test, who cares. Well, they did care. And I th- I think I find that one of the more interesting points in the story that, you know, these apathetic teenagers when activated Actually did stand up and help pass out these flyers. I mean, they were recruited that morning, yeah you know to help pass out these flyers, and therefore maybe a few people were educated as to what this test was that they were taking instead of just going in blindly and taking another what they believed to be mandatory test, and which, as it turned out, wasn't so mandatory after all. And if more people would just stand up to all of these so-called mandates that the government hands out, and I'm not just talking about kids, I'm talking about everybody. This is an example for everybody. Activism isn't difficult. It doesn't have to be arduous. It can be very simple and also very effective at the same time. I think it's a great example. one 800 Of course, if they were lucky, they, live, uh, they would live in the Czech Republic, where apparently there's no government whatsoever right now. We'll give you the details on that. And uh, whether or not anarchy is breaking out into the streets, we'll tell you what's happening. Coming up, you take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Your show, you take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Friday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give them away. You enjoy them for free at freetalklive.com. But we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. The gap continues to widen, unfortunately. We are not catching up. We are instead falling back. Still in fourth place out of the out of 25,000. So, I mean, on the scale of things, we're doing pretty well. But... With 150 more votes, 100 votes is about as far as we are behind. 150 votes, I think we'd finish the the month at the number one position.
3: Yeah, so Harry Potter's kicking our butts,
0: unfortunately. Yeah, so uh, so head over to Com. It's still not too late. We could still pull this out. Uh, with about a week left in this month, we could still be the number one podcast in the world with your help at vote.freetalklive.com. And, of course, being number one means that more new listeners are going to find the show, more new people are going to find the message of freedom and liberty, and if that's important to you, vote freetalklive.com Or if you just like us. Yeah, that too. Tcsdaily.com reporting uh, from the Czech Republic in an article titled, Who Needs Government? Indeed. Who? The Czech Republic, which held general elections in June, still has no government. Judging by the atmosphere of mistrust between the main political parties, it's unlikely the Czechs will have a government anytime soon. Five months later, the only certainty is that political stalemate... Uh, The political stalemate is likely to continue until an early election can be agreed upon. Notably, the sky has not fallen. The country's institutional framework remains sturdy. The economy continues to grow apace.
3: And some Czechs wonder if they even need government at all. Now, um, so the, I don't quite understand. So the um, the, 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 the federal stuff is still in place. I'm not sure it'll get into the details as to what exactly happened
0: here but I find it interesting that uh, I think that the longer people go without a government in these weird situations that governments sometimes get into where there has to be a shutdown or or in this case there's a stalemate that results in no government then I think uh, I think people will start to wonder hmm well this government thing's a little uh little overrated isn't it and I mean the longer the period goes that government hasn't been around the more and more people are likely to start thinking these thoughts The stalemate resulted from a mathematically unlikely, but possible, politically possible scenario in which no coalition can win a majority in parliament. In December of 1992, the Czechoslovak uh, Federation only had a few days left before its two constituent parts, the Czech lands and Slovakia, would separate into two independent nation-states. The team around Czech Prime Minister Václav Klaus was putting final touch-ups on the Constitution, which, inspired by the Constitution of the United States, would ensure a balance of power between the two Houses of Parliament and the presidency. Some critics worried that the lower House of Parliament, with 200 members, could end up splitting evenly between two hostile camps, unable to reach a compromise. They wanted to limit the number of MPs to 199. In the end, the authors of the Czech Constitution deemed such a scenario far too improbable. The elections to the lower house were to be conducted on a principle of proportionality, with all parties that won at least 5% of the vote earning a presence in the lower house. This would, the logic went, result in enough small parties and coalition possibilities to prevent gridlock. Eh, And it probably would have. Except this past June, the very unlikely scenario became a reality. The Civic Democratic Party, which Klaus established and used to head, uh, used to head, defeated the Social Democrats and won 81 seats. The Social Democrats received 74 seats, the Communists 26 seats, the Christian Democratic Union 13, Green Party 6. The Civic Democrats, Christian Democrats and Greens want to govern together, but cannot because they only have the support of 100 MPs. To function, the government needs the support of 101 MPs. The Social Democrats could govern with the Communists, but together they too are one MP short of a majority. Wow. A coalition of the Social Democrats, Christian Democrats, and Greens would also be short of a majority as well. It would therefore need the tacit support of the Communists. Both the Christian Democrats and Greens ruled that out. It seems that the Grand Coalition, a Grand Coalition of the Civic Democrats and Social Democrats, is also out of the question because the Civic Democrat leader, Mirek Toplanek, and the Social Democrat leader, Jiri Paul Rubik detest and distrust one another. According to the Czech Constitution, it's the president who designates the prime minister and tasks him with the job of finding majority support in the lower house. The president of the uh, Czech Republic is none other than Václav Klaus, who was elected to the job over three years ago. Predictably, he chose Top, uh, Topolenic, Klaus's successor, as the leader of the Civic Democrats and the winner of the June election. After months of trying, Topolenic... Failed to break the deadlock and resigned. He remains as a caretaker prime minister but has no power to carry out his legislative agenda. The Social Democrats, now the second most powerful party in uh, parliament, are the next logical candidates to attempt to form a government. Klaus, however, does not wish to give Perubek the opportunity. Publicly, Klaus claims he worries that Perubek's government would be too unstable. In reality, Klaus worries that Perubek (laughs) Well, of course no government,
3: I guess, is, is stable enough.
0: In reality, Klaus worries that Perubek will succeed in getting one MP from the Green Party or Christian Democrats to switch allegiances. The obvious solution for the country would be to hold an early election. But Perubek, seeing his party's preferences slipping in recent weeks due to the recently unearthed evidence of corruption committed by the Social Democrats when they were in power, refuses to give early election the necessary parliamentary approval. And so the stalemate continues. All the while, the Czech economy continues to perform nicely. Unemployment fell from 8.8% in August 2005 to 7.8% in August of 2006, and economic growth is projected to reach 6% this year. Continued growth of the economy suggests that the investors perceive the Czech Republic as a safe place for their savings, and that is a vote of confidence in the strength of the Czech institutional framework and the progress that the country has made since the fall of the Berlin Wall. It appears that Czechs can afford to be without government, for a little while longer according to uh an analyst at the Cato Institute. So, a little complex there on the uh, the political but maybe situation. The federal government it isn't necessary. Indeed. Maybe not at all. And uh I, of course, leaving it to the government, they're going to get their elections together and they'll have another election in 2008, but is it possible that the that the people might pay attention to this and and say, you know, scratch their heads for a moment. You know, this happened in back in June. It's now November. That's a good five months later. We're fine. Yeah. What? What? Uh, this election. Do we really need to go through with this? Uh, why don't you just go home, all of you in wherever it is that the DC of Czechoslovakia is. You you just go home. We we don't need you. Prague. Yeah. I don't I don't know about that. But really, um, maybe they'll clue in. Maybe not the, a European expert. Sorry. Maybe the people in Czechoslovakia will uh, will get a clue. And what if nobody really did turn out for the next election? What if they tried to have another election in Czechoslovakia and nobody came? Would they all just go home and give it up? 800-259-9231, what do you think is going to happen? 1-800-259-9231. Now, speaking of other governments around the world, Mark, you're going to have something for us in hour number three about Quebec and uh, possible secession. But first, I did find a uh, Black Friday fight story. There was one today. It was in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, according to News Channel 10. But the rush at Roanoke's ve- uh, Best Buy turned violent. Just seconds after the doors opened at 5 a.m., News Channel 10 caught a man on video hitting someone over and over. Watching in slow motion, you can see him hit someone at least five times. The doors open, That was a ruckus, said shopper Brian Webb. Though surrounded by people, I could see them bouncing up and down. Webb and other shoppers blame what happened outside. Approximately 2,000 people were waiting in line. Some more than 12 hours. People were cutting in line. Others never got in line. They waited across the street, then rushed across and in the doors. I was livid about that, that they didn't stop them from coming across, and nobody, Best Buy didn't care. The police didn't care. Store managers had two police officers inside the store. The manager says they, uh, they're there to make customers feel secure inside the store, but what happens outside is out of their control. I don't know if I believe that. If it's your parking lot, I believe that you are uh, responsible for what goes on there as well. Maybe to a lesser extent. I would think so. Uh, When the fight happened, we were caught a little off guard, said the store manager. He said the store gave tickets for the hottest items to people at the front of the line and asked those across the street to wait their turn. It wasn't enough. This is one of the largest crowds I've seen," said he. "It's one of the earliest crowds I've seen, and it's definitely the earliest arriving crowd, and I think that's what led to some of the aggression. You can imagine that if you had stood in a line for 12 hours and then somebody arrives, you know, an hour before the store doors open, stands across the street and then rushes in as they open the door and starts, you know, starts to push into the line, it's going to make somebody angry. Yeah, somebody's going to lash out. And that's what happened this morning at the Roanoke Best Buy. So there's your token fight story uh, from this morning's Black Friday insanity. And and there's usually one or two fights, and I'm sure a lot of them don't even get reported, but in this case, the news video cameras happen to be there that, uh, and caught the, uh, caught the action, if you will. So coming up, hour number three, Quebec secession. It's being endorsed by the national government of Canada? Did I understand that right? No. I thought the par, uh, Prime Minister of Canada came out and essentially said, yeah, go ahead. Well, well see. that doesn't make up the entire national government. All right, we'll see what the details are here. Coming up, 800-259-9231. Your calls about whatever's on your mind. It is the live Black Friday edition of the show. You take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 3, Friday edition, the Black Friday edition. We're here in the studio with Ian here. And Mark. And your calls in at 800-259-9231. About whatever you want, that's the pack at 8.net, toll-free line, one 800 259 and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features there are completely free, though there are still some bugs we're working out after we're recovering from our server crash earlier this week, so do bear with us if uh, not everything is working perfectly, except my sincerest apologies. Uh, As we go to Canada and Quebec, we're going to get some details about possible secession for the country of Quebec. Uh, We'll talk about it here in a moment, but first to the phones and to the fun, or never mind. The bureaucrat was there, but now he's not. Uh, so in that case, let's go to Quebec.
3: From the AP, Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper's stunning motivation uh, motion recognizing Quebec as a nation within Canada has reignited the debate over the divisive issue, with some supporters cautiously viewing it as a bold political step, while critics describe it as a recipe for tearing apart the country. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> why Why do you want the country torn apart? Uh, more secession is a good
0: thing as far as I'm concerned.
3: Smaller countries are better?
0: Uh, smaller, less, uh, more decentralization, yes. I'm a, I'm a supporter. Okay. I don't care if it's a group of commies seceding out.
3: Go ahead. Get out of here. Harper's comments in Parliament seem to preempt a planned motion by the Bloc um, Québécois that states the French-speaking province is a nation. Now, um... They do speak French, but there's a a good percentage of their population that's Mm -hmm. English-speaking. The wording of uh, that motion, however, does not include the words within Canada, leaving federalists worried that it could be misinterpreted. Harper said the Bloc um, Quebecois motion was an unusual request that could lead to another referendum for Quebec's independence. Do Quebecers form a nation within um, United Canada? The answer is Yes. Harper on Wednesday told a cheering House of Commons to numerous standing ovations. Do Hmm. Quebecers form an independent nation? The answer is no, and it will always be no. Um, Sorry, it's not secession. It's, you know, I don't know, recognizing, I don't know. Politicizing. Yeah, it's just not. Politicking. Newspaper editorials weighed in on the issue Thursday with the liberal Toronto Star saying Harper's um, re-intervention into the debate simply fuels it. The, su- Good. the surprise bombshell that Harper dropped yesterday will never placate Quebec separatists, even as it potentially weakens Canada by handing them over an argument the next time. There's almost certainly will be a next time. They seek to break up this country, said the newspaper. Yes. Harper's unwise intervention in this debate promises to embolden separatists and create division and bitterness. Good. While Quebecers Woo-hoo. have. woo, twi- Go
0: cry in your corners. You know what, this is a good example of what's going to happen when we start talking seriously about seceding from the United States uh, in New Hampshire. Because a lot of people are going to say, you want to break this country apart! Yeah, yeah, that's right, I do, because this country's an abject failure. The U.S. Constitution was a wonderful concept, a great idea, and it didn't work. So let's give up and uh, go home and break up uh, this country into as many pieces as we possibly can, just like the Soviet Union. That would be, I think, the best possible solution for the future of America, is to dissolve it.
3: Go on. While Quebecers have twice voted down referendums seeking independence from Canada, the last one in 1995 was narrowly defeated, and separatists' rumblings continue in that province.
0: So it's actually the people in the province that can vote to leave. Well, that's my understanding. So nobody outside of Quebec can actually. So the people in the other provinces can't vote to say, no, 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 you can't leave. It's only the people within Quebec right. that can vote.
3: Okay. That's the issue good. surfaced when uh, Michael, whatever, frontrunner for the uh, Liberal Party leadership, said the uh, French language, history, and culture mark Quebecers as a separate people who should be recognized as a nation under the Constitution. Is the-
0: Quebec completely landlocked?
3: No. Okay. Um, no, can't be. Okay. The um, Quebec wing of the uh, Liberals adopted a resolution last month recognizing Quebec as a nation within Canada and called for the creation of a task force to advise the new leader on how to make the status official. Harper's motion, which would uh, be debated later in the week, comes as his Tories languish in third place in Quebec polls behind the Bloc Quebecois and the Liberals. In the provincial um, government level, the response was guarded. And uh, so, you know, this goes on and just it's politics, but... So they've sort of recognized that they're a nation within a nation, mm-hmm. but, you know, they don't get to leave or anything like right. that. You folks are different. We know that. So he's fomenting the uh, secession movement a little bit. I would I would agree with the, uh, the Toronto Star in this, that he um, has fueled the uh, separatist argument. I think it's great. I think that um, uh, getting it into the spotlight is a
0: wonderful thing. You know, he may not be able to do more than that. Right, I mean, it's not up to him. It's not his decision as to whether or not Quebec uh, stays or goes. And so he, maybe he's just using his position of power to essentially bring the argument back to the to the spotlight. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a good thing because when people are talking about issues like that, uh, this it means that more people are going to alert uh, alert on it and learn about it and maybe convert to possibly supporting their their secessionist movement. And I think it's excellent. Now the party it's called the Quebec Bloc. What was it? Quebeco? The, B- the Bloc Quebecois. The Bloc Quebec uh, French. Right. Quebecois. Uh, it reminds me of the Parti Quebecois, which I believe is probably the same organization, which is one of the groups that Jason Sorens, the founder of the Free State Project, did research on when he was determining how many people it would take in order to move New Hampshire in a more pro-liberty direction. Now, he wasn't specifically researching secession, and the Free State Project is not a secessionist movement. It's just a group of— secession,
3: like the question of secession, is going to draw out a lot of people to vote. Whereas um, when you're looking at politics and party politics, people people don't really come out and vote for state um, elections, and especially not for local elections. Now, these are the most important ones— Your local officials have more effect on your day-to-day life than anybody else, and those are the ones that the fewest people vote in. Let's go to the
0: phones. The bureaucrat is back in Hawaii. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, Ian and Mark. Hey, bureaucrat. What's on your mind?
6: I'm with you all the way, Ian, on breaking down federal governments as small as possible. Excellent. To the state level, I can't understand why Mark wants to even think of keeping a federal government he just you know he's like
0: a he's an abuse victim he just can't give up the uh the abuser you know what i mean the women like the women that just can't leave the home where the man's just beating them every single night because they're afraid he's like that oh whatever I think
6: most people are like that i think probably the canadians are as well and mm-hmm. what they're talking about here is symbolic independence
0: why is it such a good idea bureaucrat why is it such a good idea why do you support this
6: because it breaks up the monopoly on force, the geographically determined monopoly on force, you get a choice of which mafia you want to have uh, domineer over you. It brings a little bit of competition into, you know, you know, you a place to retreat if one place gets worse than another.
0: Yep, it's true. And, and the
6: smaller, the better. And I personally don't see why these different mafias can't just negotiate freely between each other. On
0: I agree. They, um, in fact, it doesn't. In fact, the idea of the federal government really doesn't make much sense. I mean. We all know that California is radically different than the state of New Hampshire. Not only is it radically different in population, you know, as far as the political opinions of the people that live there, but it's also, you know, two thousand miles away or three thousand miles away. It's that's a long distance. Why would uh, why would we ever want to be subject to the will of the people? Three thousand miles away. Why would California want to be subject also to the will of the people in New Hampshire? And Florida and Oregon and Alaska? I don't understand. Why do we all have to try to fight over, you know, the the piece of the pie or the this government's policies? Just break it up already.
6: But it goes even beyond control. What we're talking about with federal governments is a is a government for government. It's like taking inefficiency to the next order of magnitude. Yep. And as as a as an employee of the federal government, I can tell you it's it's staggering what we can do.
0: There you go. So you've got an endorsement now for secession mm-hmm. from a federal government bureaucrat. That's excellent.
6: Well, and, what else uh, was yeah. on your mind tonight? Uh, also the, the revolution that happened in Quebec, the socialist one. Uh, I'm really all for us doing something on the libertarian side in New Hampshire with that. And I want to encourage everyone out there to try to grab just one more person to sign up for the Free State Project, or more importantly, signed the first 1,000 pledge.
0: I take it you have signed the first 1,000 pledge.
6: Yes. Uh, Excellent. Got someone else to do it as well. And, and that, you want to talk more. about
0: you want to talk about dedication. If you think it was a big deal for Ian and Mark to move from Florida to New Hampshire, moving from Hawaii, I mean that's about as far as it goes. So it's, congratulations! It's so exciting to
6: you. down there, and uh, the atmosphere, the people, the freedom, the.
0: Oh, that's true. The, the you, did out. you did come yeah. out to, uh, to New and, uh, Hampshire recently, didn't you?
6: Yes, and it also caused me to change my opinion on how we should vote. I don't think we should vote for the worst of two evils in order to bring the system down quicker. That's good, because that's but, what
0: you used to advocate, is voting for the socialists, uh, which I didn't think was a great idea either. Bureaucrat, thank you for the call. Look forward to seeing you in New Hampshire when you finally make it up here. Thank you. 800-259-9231. Since we're talking international, we'll go to Australia next and talk about a major government failure. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. The Black Friday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki. W-I-K-I com. There's 850 uh, plus pages. All created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of the website wiki.freetalklive.com, and register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th of 2007. Meet libertarian superstars John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum for more information. And to get registered, that's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Uh, Going to Australia, from an email from one of our listeners that uh, lives down that way, Last week in Brisbane, the government discovered a massive crack in the middle of a bunch of flyovers, right in the middle of the city. These flyovers are supported by a row of big poles. Now, I presume that's a uh, driving sort of thing. You drive yeah. over an overpass, an overpass like they have in big cities. Uh, then, because of the crack, one entire section of road was being supported by just one pole. Anybody oh uh, big dig anyone? Since I then, read something about this since then all traffic in the cuz he uh, sent it to you too okay all traffic in the entire city had been rerouted by the central planners at a cost of 6 to 12 million dollars per day of lost productivity engineers today said they were no closer to fixing the problem than they were when they first found it some laborers were uh, were hired to go inside of the road structure where they had to clean over 30 years worth of pigeon droppings just to access the support mechanisms Ugh,
3: that doesn't sound like a good job no <laughs> can you imagine that
0: i don't do want to do that what do you use uh like what kind of acid do you have to pour on that 30 years of bird droppings you would have to have some pretty caustic chemicals to clean that up and because of the extensive rerouting of the traffic people are frequently getting lost in suburbia while trying to follow the government's poorly indicated makeshift signs the traffic is supposed to travel a straight down, the, uh, down a road alongside a big river, but now it's been diverted left into suburbia for several miles, then right, then over a river on a bridge, then for several miles of meandering through another set of suburbs, and finally back across another bridge to the city. This is all a big mess, says Sergio. And on another note, yesterday someone leaked a secret government report on the horrible waste that's gone into building a new highway. The final cost was $15. Thousand dollars per foot, fifteen U.S. Uh, fifteen thousand U.S. dollars per foot of highway, or seventy-eight million dollars per mile. And if we need the government to create the roads. Fifteen thousand <laughs> per foot. I could give you a few million dollars, Mark, and you could probably go ahead and and I'd put pave the people something. together. Yeah, you'd find some people to give do it. Give me a
3: sweet government contract. Yeah.
0: I'll I'll pave something. So I mean, just. When when somebody says to you that the government has to take care of the roads, you know, pull out an example like this. What do they say to that? What what is the response to somebody that believes, uh, from someone who believes that the government must
3: handle the roads, to bureaucratic mismanagement and malfeasance like this? Well, um the bigger cities they ha- they have more problems with it and I you know if you're in Chicago or you in Boston you can point at the big dig and say, "Oh, wait, do yeah. we really need the government to handle roads because mm-hmm. I think we could handle them without." But um I I don't know. I mean, the, the roads are still something that I st- I still think we should avoid uh, talking about with people. Well, you you can you cannot bring it up, but when they bring it up, you better be prepared. Yeah, they're going to. Because they're going
0: to they're going to want an answer from you. And you can you can hem and haw and you can say, "Well, Oh, well, we we can have a road tax, and that's for somebody that's new to the idea, but for somebody that's grasping the principle, that's not going to cut it. If you've got somebody that understands the libertarian principle, and that is that uh, we don't support government, uh, libertarians don't support government force or don't support force to achieve political or social goals. And so if somebody's got a grasp on that, then you better help them understand the reality of government roads and getting the government out of them, as opposed to just candy-coating it and moving on. 800 259 well... This poor kid, uh, I don't know if he's a poor kid. I think he's probably just a dumb kid. But here's an example of what not to do, kids. We talked about drugs the other night on the show. We talked about LSD, MDMA, some of these illicit drugs that are uh, illegal for whatever reason, and they shouldn't be. They should be made legal so anybody can buy them at any uh, any any place that wants to sell them. And one of the consequences of the war on drugs making drugs like, the, like LSD and MDMA illegal is, is that kids will go out and do whatever they can to get high. It doesn't mean always buying things on the black market. It means using alternatives. Not and Weed. In some case, very, very dangerous alternatives. According to CBS 11 News in New Fairview, natural gas wells are generally safe unless someone gets too close. That's what happened to dumbass 21-year-old Ezekiel Thomas. Late Thursday night, family members say they found Ezekiel unconscious on top of a nearby gas well. Zeke, Zeke done fell down the gas well. They say <laughs> he's been he had been inhaling the fumes. <laughs> it's horrible. It's so scary, said Autumn Thomas, Ezekiel's sister. His mother Stephanie said she was unaware of the dangers. I didn't know kids were into this, she said. She's now concerned about access to the gas wells. My son was old enough to know not to do this, but what about the littler ones that are easily enticed like that? Well, the well site "Well, so, ma'am, your son was somebody who liked to get high, and provided the fact that he couldn't get access to drugs like, say, MDMA or LSD, the ones that the government makes illegal, he went out and snorted some uh, fumes from a gas well. Some kids go and snort gasoline fumes from the gas tank in Daddy's garage. Some kids go and uh, take uh, they huff paint.
3: You know, kids will do some stupid things to get high. Anything that has to do with inhalants certainly is about as dumb as you can get.
0: The well site near the Thomas House and all others like it are required by law to have fencing all the way around them and clear signs warning people of the dangers. If you open a tank, according to the Wise County you mean Sheriff... You Zeke didn't read the signs? Oh, uh, yeah, he read the signs and ignored them and then climb the fence. According to the county sheriff, if you open a tank that has gas fumes in it and that gas overcomes you, get it in your lungs, you may die. It's very dangerous, so that's why they have fences around them, and they just need to abide by that. Devon Energy, which owns the gas well, has an aggressive ad campaign warning parents of the dangers of gas well sites. Stephanie Thomas says that more should be done to secure the sites. When we dug out from under the fence, we just lifted it up. They're too easy to get into. The Dallas County Medical Examiner will perform an autopsy to determine the exact cause of death. That's right, we should do more, Mark. We just need to put barbed wire on the top of these here fences. Uh, And we need to dig those fences 18 more feet down into the bottom, the the ground, so dumb kids like Ezekiel can't get in there. I mean, this is just... uh, Please, the problem is not the fencing on the gas pipe.
3: Right, and this company, this company would have to pay that money in order to, um, you know, to be mandated to pay that money in order to protect the children a little more. Right. You know, I, I'm Darwinism. He it deserved did. it. I, I've got to say, he did. Yep. You hey, look at the kid. He I looks mean, like sure a douche. I'm, I'm sure, you know, he could have grown up and and led a great life or whatever. And I know the family must be in pain yeah. and everything, but you know, if Zeke. Had, Shot himself in the head because he thought he was going to get high doing mm-hmm. it? If, he, if he'd microwaved his, his brain? We'd have to ban microwaves. I mean, it, look, I'm sorry. Zeke did you know violated the signs. He climbed over the fence, and he killed himself yeah. doing something dangerous. You know, if
0: we would just legalize drugs and make it so anybody could go out and buy them at the store in safe dosage amounts... Then these things wouldn't happen anymore. Kids wouldn't have any reason to go hop a fence at a natural gas well. They could go down to the store and buy the products that they need, to, that they're going to buy. It's the war on drugs that killed Zeke. It really is. More on the way you take control of the airwaves. It is your show, Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airways. Bring up anything. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features, we give them away, and that includes updates. You get signed up, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list That is updates.freetalklive.com. In fact, an update was sent out recently about our auction going on as we speak. If you want to get the second banner on our website for an entire month to advertise whatever you want, whether it be uh, your business or a band or political movement, I don't care. Head over to auction.freetalklive.com to place your bid. That's auction.freetalklive.com. So, we were talking about the war on drugs, and this poor dumb kid who went over to huff some fumes from a natural gas well, got overwhelmed, uh, and passed out, I guess, and died as a result of passing out right on top of the well, apparently. Uh, They found his body, and and that's that. You know, kids, please don't huff things. If you want to get high, be patient, shop around on the black market, and find some drugs that way. But please don't huff things. It's very, very dangerous. Because kids are going to do drugs, right? We've talked about this before. We know kids are going to do drugs. But if you're going to do drugs, do the safer drugs, okay? There's no reason to. I mean could it, could it really be that good? Could huffing really be that much better than LSD or MDMA or one of these other drugs that are out there that are relatively safe when taken, when you know what you're getting from a reliable source? Well, it's, it's a very intense high, but it's short, Yeah, generally. Well, LSD can be pretty intense, too. Yeah, and, and so can MDMA. Anyway, be careful, kids. Now there's other news uh, from the drug war, because because drugs are illegal. When people who are selling the drugs or caught possessing the drugs, in some instances, are busted, then they lose all their stuff. Because apparently, taking stuff from people, uh, including cars and property and homes, apparently that helps them get back on their feet and get better. Huh? Can you imagine this? I mean, what is the, rea- the the rationale behind taking people's things is to enrich the police department and not to help the people that have the drug problem. Right. Because if, you're, if, you've, if you've got a drug problem and one of the reasons why you have a drug problem is because maybe you are apt to be depressed. And so, because you're apt to be depressed, you take drugs help yourself feel a little better temporarily. But of course, it doesn't, because you've got a problem with depression. And so, long run, you just keep taking drugs, and you just keep getting worse and worse. And and then you stumble into a police sting, and whoops, there go all your cars. Now you don't have a car to get around. Now you can't even get to a job if you should you actually want to go and get a job. How is this making people's lives better?
3: Um, I I I I can under the logic is is that it's. Helping people to hit bottom. I oh, would is suspect. that right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I I I don't know that it makes much sense. Um, but you know, that's the idea. Is, well, you know, it's helping people to hit their bottom, and the faster they hit their bottom, the more likely they are to uh, begin their recovery.
0: Well, in this case, uh, the police are helping the parents of one person hit bottom. Parents who didn't have anything to do with the drugs. According to the Daily Record, New Jersey, of course, the Morris County Prosecutor's Office has filed a lawsuit to take control of 11 vehicles and $30,000 seized from suspects during its Operation Painkiller, crackdown down in July on the use and sale of oxycodone by young people. Now, oxycodone is a prescription drug that is being abused in the black and the gray market because people are demanding it to get high with. The forfeiture lawsuit made public Thursday in state superior court, Morristown, asks a judge to terminate any property rights that the owners have to the money or vehicles because the cash and cars allegedly were obtained through or used in furtherance of criminal activity. The lawsuit targets, th- and it doesn't say because we want to help these people hit bottom. Not what they're even saying. and even claim it. They're just taking stuff because they can. Yeah, well, um,
3: they're pariahs, and you can abuse pariahs.
0: The lawsuit targets three vehicles owned by Gerard and Jane Trapp of Whippany, their 19-year-old son, Gerard... Was uh, Gerard Jr. was one of about 58 young people arrested on or about July 27th in drug raids. Trapp Jr. has resolved a conspiracy to possess oxycodone charge by being enrolled without admitting any wrongdoing into the county's pretrial intervention probationary program for first-time offenders. He's a first-time offender, 19 years old, and they're taking his parents' cars. Oh my God! Parents Gerard Trapp, a Bloomfield police officer. And the seizure, said the seizure of three family cars is extreme, since neither he nor his wife knew of any alleged drug use by their son. And his son's 19. He's not, he's not even a, their kid right. anymore. Right, like,
3: not really, res- they're not really entirely responsible for the kid. And uh, Trump Jr. was charged with a
0: relatively minor offense. He was never accused of being a dealer or a supplier, even.
3: The father That's said, ridiculous. That's the crazy.
0: The father said to take three cars over a conspiracy charge is over the top. The prosecutor's office seized in July the family's 1992 Cadillac SDV, a 95 Chevrolet Monte Carlo, and a 1994 Toyota Camry. Trapp said the prosecutor's office initially told him the three cars could be bought back for $3,000 and have since lowered the amount to $1,500 for all three vehicles. We're ready to wheel and deal here tonight, Mark. We've got all three of your cars. and You better give us uh, $1,500. We'll cut it back from $3,000. $1,500, and you can take them home tonight
3: your cars yeah god can you believe these people no i mean what uh, where do they get off i mean they have just no right (laughs) to take these people's vehicles they must
0: get off on it they really must it really must be really enjoyable for these cops to just take people's things and then hold them back and say
3: "Hmm, well we'll let you have it back just give us a little cash and they would have taken the $3000 from him if they hadn't have put up a fuss and you know still $1500 to get your your own car back I, they have no right to impound these I, have they proven that they've been used in any kind of drug crime not to say that i think that that means that you can no, take them no they haven't no they
0: how could they have been used they only arrested one kid and, and they arrested a bunch of other people but as far as the connection to the parents right, it was their kid the kid couldn't have been driving all three cars at once don't think that's possible Timothy Smith, an attorney... Oh, by the way, the Traps have not bought back the vehicle, so the offer's still on the table. Timothy Smith, an attorney for the trap family, says the move by the prosecutor's office was unfair and has placed the family of two working parents and four children of driving age in a position of hardship. Oh, we want to hit them, help them hit rock bottom. Their son got caught with a few oxycodone pills, so they should lose all their cars. Who in their right mind could defend this? one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 Who could possibly call in... And defend the actions of the police. No one's going to And the prosecutors. No way. Smith argued that the family, including Gerard Trapp Sr., to whom the four family cars are registered to, were unaware of the younger Gerard's activities in three of the cars. To seek to have the people buy back their own cars when they need those cars for their daily activity seems to me almost to rise to the level of extortion. Yeah, it does, but apparently it's not called extortion when the police do it. When the police do it, it's called helping parents who... Have teenagers with drug problems? What do you call this? What what are their excuses for themselves? I mean, did they even get the cops to comment in this case? It's probably not. Then the article goes on to mention a bunch of other. Well, they had the one
3: cop commenting. The cop that uh, had his car taken away. Right.
0: Well, that he's a guy. Yeah, the the dad of the kid happens to be a cop in this case. The lot. Then they list a whole bunch of other cars that were taken from some of the other people that were busted in the in the uh, sting. The lawsuit contends that the defendants were all observed during the time period of June 9th to July 27th using their vehicles to either buy drugs for themselves or to distribute them to other people. The lawsuit also wants a judge to turn over the prosecutor's office $30,000 seized from six people during the raids, The bulk of the money was seized from so-and-so Roseland, charged with being a dealer of oxycodone. Five others were stripped of sums ranging from $5,000 to $58 during their arrest. And the prosecutor's office wants to keep the money under the state's forfeiture law. Now, what do you think the chances are that the prosecutor's office is going to have the money taken from them and returned to the families? Unlikely.
3: Yeah, very unlikely. Um, And what do you think the chances are the prosecutor's office is going to take the money and give it to some... (laughs) Well, needing charity, zero. No, they're going to use it to you know, fund some more raids, feather their nest, and yep. uh, you know do whatever it is that they do, and you know it's just more government bureaucracy. Yep. And how many people are going to be assisted
0: by these laws? How many of these people, these teens that were busted, the parents who are having their property stolen from them by the police? How many people are going to be sitting down around their Thanksgiving table, or or did? Sit around their Thanksgiving table last night and hold hands and say, Thank you. Thank you, New Jersey police and prosecutors, for taking our cars and our, our son's cash. Boy, we never would have learned our lesson if it weren't you taking all of our vehicles. How we're going to get to work on Monday, I'm not really sure. Hopefully the buses will be operating. We're coming back with more. It's Free Talk Live. Praise Jesus. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Only moments remain here in the Black Friday edition of the show. In here with you and Mark. The toll-free number again, 1-800-259-9231, also known as the Packet8.net toll-free lines for all of your voiceover IP needs, Packet8.net. You need to join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all of the features are completely free. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Why on
3: earth would someone want to do that, Mark? Help spread the message of liberty um, even farther. Uh, it's the amplifiers that basically have allowed us to get the stations that we have. And, of course, the more stations we're on, the more people that hear us. Also, they help us to advertise on the Internet. So more listeners hearing the show on uh, podcast Exactly. The idea is very simple. Since we give away the features of our website for free, in comparison,
0: go to some of the major talk show, radio talk show websites. They're charging five, six, seven bucks a month just to give you access to the archives of their site. Well, we give away a year's worth of archives for free and all the other features on the site for free as well. So we decided, well, let's give everything away up front. And then just ask people to help us out. And, in addition, we're not taking the money and spending it on cocaine and strippers. We're taking the money in and uh, turning it right... Much ripe... as that, would I would enjoy that. I've never even done cocaine, and I don't yeah. ever plan to. I uh, don't think you've ever seen a stripper, either. I've seen a, a couple of strippers, as a matter of fact. Where? Um. Not at a strip club. Uh, well, I've, I've known them in person. I see. Anyway... uh <laughs> So the amp program you send us 3 bucks a month we turn it around into advertising for the shows you're pointing out to get more stations on board to get more internet listeners on board and it's working you can get the details and learn about the perks that you'll get access to like classic archives The Amplifier-only call-in lines and more. All of the information you need is at amp.freetalklive.com. The credit card form is down right now while we get our uh, website back online to 100%. But if you want to sign up via PayPal, that's working just fine. So head over and uh, learn all about it, amp.freetalklive.com. To the phones, to the fun. Matt in Illinois, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark.
7: Yeah, hi. I just wanted to say that I thought that uh, that story that you just told about the the people losing their cars and stuff, that's, that's awful. That's yeah. just terrible.
0: Yeah, and it happens um, all the time.
7: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to sound, I don't know, um, you know, like I'm not, I, I have feelings for these people, but I, I guess, you know, they're lucky that they didn't lose their house.
0: That's you know, true. They, they could have lost their house. You're right about that. All the police have to do in many uh, areas of the country is simply accuse you. Of a drug crime. That's what happened in this case. They don't actually have to have any evidence or anything. They can just say, Matt, we think you've been dealing drugs out of your house, and now it's mine. Now it's our house. And if you want it back, you can go hire a lawyer and
3: spend a few years in court. And there's been cases where um, they take your house, and it's not your house. You were renting it. They take somebody else's house Mm -hmm. because you were dealing drugs out of it.
7: It's ridiculous. I think that laws like that definitely need to be done away with. That's just and it's the
0: terrible. only way those laws are going to get done away with is if we get rid of the entire war on drugs. It all has to be done in one fell swoop because otherwise we're just going to be picking over here, picking over there, taking off a law here and a law there. If we're lucky, if you're lucky to even get them repealed. So strike at the heart, strike at the root, and uh, and get rid of the entire war on drugs. Do you agree?
7: Yeah, yeah, I do. I I don't even think it should be called a war on drugs it's not a war where's the, where's the army of the of the people who are you know um, in drug land where's this massive army that they have and all but, their tanks
0: and it's all an their, excellent point because if it was of stuff. if it were a war on drugs the government would lose because the government versus the uh, decentralized gangs, the gangs are very quick and speedy in comparison to the U.S. government. If the gangs wanted to, they could just start taking out DEA agents. They could just assign assassins. It would cost very, very little. It would—I mean, bullets are very cheap. They could just assign assassins to all the top DEA people, the top sheriffs, and uh, and law enforcers around the country, and just take them out.
3: I but mean, they really, don't it wouldn't want be to hard. do that because they, in fact, use law enforcement agencies to enforce their own turf. Oh, yeah, they're to all keep, working together. To keep other gangs from infringing on their area. Mm-hmm. They've paid off agents. They're, so they you know one gang pits one set of agents against sure. another. Well, and the existence of the war on drugs ensures obscene profits for the criminals. So they want the, the
0: police to stick around. They want the police to bust a guy here and bust a guy there. That way the war continues and ensures their profits. Because if it weren't for yes. the war on drugs, the criminals would be out of the business.
7: I, I agree 100%. I agree with everything you just said. Well, Matt, did you have anything and, else and for we've... us? And we and we've seen how effective our government is at a uh, at a guerrilla war twice now.
0: Oh, you're talking about uh, Vietnam and uh, and Iraq.
7: In Iraq, yeah.
0: Very good, and sir. They're
7: not, they're not very efficient at that.
0: Nope, and not even, they can't even fight a a real war too well let alone fight a war against a, a very well-armed and well-financed group of criminals. If you think it's hard to fight against an army, try fighting against a group of unknowns, which is essentially what they're doing in Iraq. They're fighting against a group of unknowns, a group of insurgents. Well, the 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 war on drugs could be the same way if it really was a war, but you're correct, Matt. It absolutely is not. Any final thoughts for us? Uh, no, thanks, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800 259 to the email box from Robert. Hey, guys. I have a quick question about not paying income taxes. I really don't want to pay them and I don't plan on paying them, but when I hear Ian talk about not paying them, he has all this information that he's looked up and knows facts about paying tax not about paying taxes. You know, Robert, I I don't know where you get that impression. I think you get that impression cuz I'm a talk show host and we have people call in with all kinds of information about taxes, but honestly, I don't really no facts about taxes. I don't know what the law says. I mean, I've heard, you know, I've I've looked at some of the research that others have done that claim that there is no law, but even if there was a law, I wouldn't want to pay taxes. The fact, if I know us any set of facts, it is this. It's that slavery is wrong, and I don't want to be a slave. Taxation is slavery, in that if I have to pay a percentage of my income to some anonymous group of individuals, or some uh, non-anonymous group, just some group that wants to take my money from me, in this case the IRS, if I have to pay a percentage of my income to those people, whether it's 1% or 99% or 100%, I'm that amount of a slave. And if I'm 1% a slave, I might as well be a slave. And I object to that. Not only that, I object to the way they spend the money. Like, even if I was okay with the idea of taxes, which I'm not, I would definitely not be okay with the way they spend the money. I would definitely not be okay with my tax dollars going to wars to kill innocent people around the world, to take people's cars and houses from them in the war on drugs. I'm not at all okay with the way government uses tax dollars. So I've got plenty of objections. I don't have a lot of facts about what the law says. I don't care if the law says... See, that's my problem with some of these anti-tax groups. I support them in what they're doing. Like, we the people trying to ask questions of the government, asking the government and the IRS the question of where is the law that requires us to pay taxes. Now, it's interesting that they will refuse to show the law. They claim it's there, but they refuse to actually identify and specifically point it out. But even if they did, even if tomorrow they held a press conference that said, here it is here's the law or even if they decided to just write a law tomorrow that's made it very right. explicit every man and woman in america is to spend is to pay 50% of their income to the federal government i would not care it is not
3: something i agree with i am not going to be a slave right and you know it's it's obvious the government expects people to pay taxes whether or not they have a law that um you know specifically on the books that says every american must pay taxes they don't uh, or at least we haven't been able to find the thing but what difference does it make? It's wrong. Yep. Um now, do I pay my taxes? I do. But uh, Do I pay taxes? I do. Not some, federal, not, not income not tax. Income federal tax. I'll try
0: to get away from as many federal taxes as I possibly can. Do I pay taxes? Yes, I pay the local New Hampshire 8% meal tax when I eat out. I also pay the uh gas taxes when we buy gas. I also pay the property taxes because I don't want the local group of armed bandits coming to take my house from me.
3: Right. I would I would think your chances of getting your house taken away are significantly higher than um, getting chased after by the IRS if you just don't fill out if if you just drop out. Now if you lie to them or you know get in their face and try to ask for your money back. Right. I don't play games. no. 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 I don't play games with these people. I just ignore them.
0: They are a band of marauders. They are a violent band of thugs, and in my opinion, they're a group of strangers. I mean, if I all of a sudden wrote up an invoice for you, Robert, and send it to your house saying, You owe Free Talk Live uh, $5,000 this year, or if you don't pay us, we're going to send some people after you to, uh, to punch your face in. Would you would you, spend, uh, would you cut me a check? I mean, because that's essentially what they're doing. That's essentially what the IRS does. They write a bunch of strangers, people they don't know, an invoice, and they include a bunch of obscure instructions that you're supposed to understand. And then at the very bottom it says, if you do don't follow these instructions to the T, we are going to charge you with a criminal offense and throw you in the cl- and throw you in the clink. This is a threat, and I don't take kindly to threats. I don't know about you. He says, I'd like to know, it's better to know the facts and not pay in case you get in trouble, or is it better to know the facts and not pay in case you get in trouble, or just not pay and not know the facts? It doesn't matter. If you don't pay, and they come after you, and you go to a courtroom... You can throw the judge all the facts you want to throw up, and he's just going to ignore you, overrule you, and say you're being frivolous. Yeah, well, He'll throw there, your arguments right out.
3: There, there, there was the case of that one IRS agent out there, uh, I think in California. There that, are some cases where the tax uh,
0: protesters have been successful. There have been some instances, but for the most part, don't expect to to
3: win none anything of them going were, into a government courtroom. Uh, young males uh, winging it on the way through. <laughs> you can believe that. So, I mean, if you don't want to pay taxes. You just gotta kinda Yeah, and I duck and, and I say duck and get to New Hampshire where there's some other people that are doing the same thing.
0: We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive dot com.